0: This is what we know. The world has grown dark, and while we have reason to fear, we have the strength not to. There are heroes among us to remind us that only from fear comes courage. That only from the darkness can we truly feel the light.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks fan. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and you can help support the Batman Universe by going over to patreon.com slash thebatmanuniverse. My name is Tim, and we are on episode 145, and this is going to be a real special episode. It's the Justice League review episode, something I've been waiting a long time for. I mean, it's. I think we could make the argument for a lot of people that this is a movie Some fans have waited their entire lives to see, and it's now here. So we've seen it. i make us to talk about it. But as those who are listeners of our shows know that Dane was not the most enthusiastic <laughs> for Justice League. So uh, as he said on many episodes, he was going to wait for reviews, hear my opinions on it. Uh, but I think he's even going to wait till it comes out on home video <laughs> or digitally or Blu-ray all that before it sees it. So I didn't want to talk about it by myself. So thankfully... We got an old friend joining me on this one. Rob Myers, former co-host of the Batfans podcast and current host of Robin. Everyone loves the Drake Rob. Thank you for joining me on this one. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about this movie.
2: Oh yeah. Thanks for having me back on. And my seat was a little dusty. I was kind of hoping Dane <laughs> had kept it a little bit cleaner, but I think that's where he's putting his leftover pizza boxes. So yep. thanks. Dane. <laughs> no, it's, uh, when you sent out uh, the message, uh, uh, to Terrence and I, which you'd off, also offered uh, uh, Terrence to come back on here. So Terrence wanted to, me to say, hey, but he, right now he's probably on Splash Mountain in Disney. So um, he's right now hanging out with another company. So we probably shouldn't even talk about that. But <laughs> when, you, when you sent out the message, I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to you know coming back on the show. And then more importantly, just to talk about uh, Justice League and kind of uh, what we were thinking and everything. So thanks for having me on, man.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean... Yeah, we were even some from our early episodes when you were on, before we even, you know, knew that Justice League officially got the green light from Warner Brothers, we knew it was coming once Man of Steel (laughs) came out. And just the excitement we've had for it all the way back then. And, you know, going through some of the ups and downs with the DC movie universe right now with the critical responses for some movies like Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, then going back to the highs with Wonder Woman. And now we're at Justice League. So, um, um,. Yeah, before we dive deep into the movie and our opinions on it, I just kind of want to start off first with how we were feeling going into the movie the night it came out, which was Thursday, and just our overall general impressions of it, our reactions once the movie was over. So, Rob, go ahead and let me know how you were feeling before you went into it and your initial thoughts right when the end credit scenes were over in the post-credit scenes. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, the end credit scenes could just be a podcast all on its own. That but is very true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, leading up to it, I was trying to, I was trying not to have the same reaction of going into Batman versus Superman where, you know, like we were all so pumped for the movie. And then once the responses started coming out, it was just like, oh my gosh, people don't like it. So I sat in the theater for that first showing of BVS going, okay, I'm supposed to not like this, but I do like it. Am I not supposed to, you know, I didn't want to have those feelings going into it. So I was really trying to stay like, you know, social media dark. And, you know, my wife is like, just form your own opinions. Don't rely on somebody else's opinion to know how you feel. I'm like, yeah, 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 that's right. I did watch the red carpet premiere uh, that DC had. um, Was that Monday? Monday night, Tuesday yeah. night, something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, seeing once the kind of the embargo was released for people to be able to say that you know, they liked it, just kind of real short and sweet, no full review. Um, I did kind of break my <laughs> blackout just a little bit to kind of see what some of those were. And after you know a good handful of people saying that they liked it and there was some positivity around it, I was like, okay, that's all I needed to see. So I kind of checked all that in the back, and I was like, I just want to go in to uh, this fresh movie and – um, be like that kid back in 1978 watching Challenger the super friends and never dreamed that i was going to see aquaman and cyborg on screen together so i i was pumped uh going in for this and then coming out of it my face hurt <laughs> because <laughs> i was grinning the from from the very first scene all the way to the end credit scenes um I don't know if I could have had a bigger smile with the two end credit scenes as I did the mm. beginning of the movie. But I walked out of that movie, a complete 180 from Batman versus Superman, going, I-, I liked Batman versus Superman, but it took me three times going to the theater to kind of go, yeah, this is how I feel. I instantly walked out of Justice League going, if they never make another DC movie again and it ends here, I, I-, I felt completely satisfied and going, yep. This is a just thing movie I've waited my whole entire life for. I'm I'm happy with the end result. So that was, that's my beginning and ending right there for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, mine's going to be pretty similar. I was really, really excited. It just, I would say this whole month and the few weeks leading up to its release, I was just getting super pumped the more closer we got to it. And more so than probably uh, any other DC movie that's come out since Man of Steel. Because, like you said, with Batman V Superman, I was excited to see it, but like all our excitement, kind of you know took a hit once all those negative reviews and reactions came out for it. So, kind of had to build it back up. But this one, I was just pumped all the way through, and probably the most excited I'm going to be for a movie this year, other than Star Wars next month. <laughs> That's how excited <laughs> I was for Justice League. And then, yeah, seeing some you know generally positive reactions from a lot of people on social media and. Uh, people that I, whose opinions I respect, saying you know mm-hmm. it's good, not without its flaws, but you know it's it's a really enjoyable good movie. So that yeah. just added to my excitement going into it. So I was pumped, and then, yeah, just like you, once it was over, there was this this great feeling I had. There was a great buzz surrounding it once it was over. I mean, the end credit scene. It's hard for it not to leave you with that feeling. But even if there wasn't that end credit scene. Just the movie, how it ended by itself, just left me with a really good positive feeling about you know finally seeing these iconic heroes minus one <laughs> together <laughs> yeah. uh, on screen for the first time. It was it was a DC fan's dream come true. Uh, so yeah, I I loved it right afterwards, and I just you know had this buzz feeling driving home. Like I saw it with my brother. We went out to dinner afterwards, talking about it, we were just geeking out on all the awesome stuff that it had. So. Yeah, it's going to be fun to dive into this one. So yeah, both of our opinions right after we saw it was really, really good. So that I was our... Fun. I'm sorry, go ahead. No,
2: sorry, that was one of the... You were one of the first people, uh, other than, you know, Ryan, some of the, you know, for the drake knowing that you know terrence isn't actually going to see it till probably after thanksgiving which i i could not wrap my head around i don't know how but, he's going to do that <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> terrence you have a stronger will than i am maybe he maybe that's why there's no green lantern because he has uh there that great yeah but uh <laughs> you know i i looked up your tweet like right away to see you know knowing that we're going to be talking about this to going oh, you know, where, what side of the fence that you're going to be on? I think I even tweeted back, like, we're not going to have a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> yeah, but, we should tell everyone uh, this is going to be like a 20-minute podcast, so we're almost done. <laughs> yeah, we're almost over. <laughs> yeah, so those are our general reactions, but now we're going to get into it. So I'm throwing out the full spoiler warning out there. If you haven't seen it yet, for some reason you're listening to this episode already. <laughs> this is where <laughs> we're going to go deep into the movie. So the spoiler warning is out there. So I guess to start off, I just kind of want to go, before we get into the characters, just the overall story of the film and what you thought of it. Because uh, for me, this is something, even before the movie came out, where I just kept saying, don't make it an overly complicated story like BVS was. There's so many mm. convoluted plot points in there that didn't need to be there. Just for Justice League, you got to have enough time bringing the team together, making sure... You establish them together as characters, so just have it be a simple story where you know what Steppenwolf was coming to invade Earth with the parademons looking for the mother box boom, that's all you need. Just have that be what drives the team to come together, and that's exactly what the movie was pretty much. And I was totally okay with that. It's, yes, I could go down as like one of the greatest comic book movie stories ever, but it served its purpose very well, I thought, with you know, bringing the team together because that's what the movie rests on these characters of the justice league and boy they didn't nail that pretty much for everybody so the story of the film with you know steppenwolf but well first off with bruce investigating uh the parademons noticing that they're out there i i love that opening oh. sequence with batman <laughs> to me it was pretty much almost like uh justice league number one from jeff johnson jim lee's uh new 52 launch oh yeah yeah so i just loved like the only thing missing was you know hell jordan coming down <laughs> and having <laughs> right. that awesome back with batman but still i thought that was a great opening sequence and set the movie off on a great note i thought and what the story was going to be so yeah i thought the story was perfectly fine for it and had enough cool you know dc universe uh easter eggs and just laying down the foundation and the history of the dc universe which i thought was awesome so i thought the story for justice league was perfectly fine
2: now, the story for me that that's kind of where I was too. I don't, um, I don't want to try not to talk about Avengers and make a comparison, but I thought even that setup for that one was a little. A little too much this is this is what i really wanted the most important thing we're seeing the characters and uh, i was telling somebody else the other day this kind of feels like and i mean this with the utmost respect this feels like a, an episode of justice league unlimited where yeah you know totally dark side whatever it was mm-hmm. comes down and the important thing is the team's got to get together and they got to stop the bad guy from taking over the world and that's that's it that's all i wanted and you know, that's what we got. And the the bigger thing was, was the story and interaction between each of the characters, you know, Batman to Cyborg, Batman to Aquaman, Aquaman to Wonder Woman, you know, just the, the mix up and dialogue back and forth. I was like, I can't believe I'm seeing this on screen. And to know there's no convoluted plot out Mm -hmm. there and I don't expect it to win an Oscar for, you know, being like uh, the Godfather or something. It's, it's a superhero team up Uh, Defeating uh, a big bad guy—that that's all I needed.
1: Totally, yep. And I'm so glad it stuck that story route with it. I mean, they didn't. I think that's somewhere they learned the lessons from Batman v Superman, where you Mm -hmm. know, just don't make it so convoluted and overly complicated. Where you you know, you sometimes either lose focus on one aspect of a story and find one not as good as the other. So I'm just glad they stuck with one thing, and I thought it worked really, really well. And overall, too. just with, uh, with regards to where the movie started off, I forgot to mention because that opening scene was with Batman, but I did not expect that movie to start off with, you know, kind of like this a kid with his iPhone filming Superman. Yeah. I thought that was great. <laughs> I mean, it was totally unexpected, but I, I was talking about how, you know, the sequence with Batman set up the story uh, for the rest of the movie really well. But that opening sequence with Superman was where I thought set the tone for how. You know the movie was going to end. It was a nice callback to that, just a little setup to where it's going to lead up to the very end once he returns. Because I mean, let's face it, we all knew he was coming back. <laughs> <But> yeah, <laughs> I was kind of surprised there Henry Cavill and sometimes Warner Brothers were still trying to keep it a secret <laughs> during like the press junket. But I just thought that was a kind of both great bookends, a great way to start it, and then end it with Superman. So, what do you think of that very first opening sequence?
2: I thought I thought it was a really neat and really cute little scene that, you know, Superman's having a conversation essentially with us, the audience member, but, but through, through the eyes of, of a little kid that he's, he's this close to standing to uh, one of his heroes and getting a chance to talk to him. And like you said, it's at that stage of that, that hopefulness and the, the brightness that Superman represents that he was basically telling us the audience. So when we get into the movie, we're we're realizing what Bruce is realizing that that hopefulness is gone. I know we'll talk about it later, but one of my favorite lines Bruce ends up saying uh, in the movie when he's talking to Alfred. Uh, we'll save that when we when we get there. But it, it kind of parallels itself what mm-hmm. Superman rep- re- represents and what Batman represents, and the knowledge that Batman has with Superman now. So I thought the beginning was set it up great.
1: Yeah. I just love you know Henry Cavill's Superman and his interaction with those kids. I mean that's something we've been wanting to see or, or hope to see. And I, not so much in Man of Steel because I still love Man of Steel and figure you know that's we only saw one day of Superman, his first day right. on the job. So <laughs> that was something I would love to see. Like and if he got a sequel before Justice League or Batman versus Superman, that's the type of Superman I think we were all expecting, and that was just a tease for what was to come later. So yeah, I loved that great interaction and just a, a fun, unique way to start a movie, but. Getting a little bit into you know, the characters now, but before I go into each one, I just gotta say, I loved how the movie was paced and spread out between the characters, because I think that was another worry I had going into it, where we've heard about the reshoots, how Warner Brothers demanded that uh, this be under two hours, or right at the two-hour mark, so we knew there's going to be a lot of stuff cut. And I was <clears throat> a little worried about it feeling rushed, especially at the beginning, setting up all these characters, but... I got to say, overall, I did not get that feeling at all while watching it. I thought it was very well-paced. Maybe certain scenes could have been a little longer, I thought, uh, certain moments with characters, but it wasn't to a point where, man, this is like really moving fast, or this feels choppy. I know certain uh, reactions from fans feel that way a little bit that I have saw, but for me personally watching it, I didn't get that feeling at all. I thought it was very well-paced. It was, you know, at the beginning, spread out, I thought, very evenly between the characters, introducing, of course, seeing Batman and Wonder Woman first, the characters we already know. But then getting our introductions to Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman, I thought it was spread out really well. It was edited, I thought, nicely, at least for me. And that's something that reminded me, and this goes back to a feeling I had watching the first Avengers movie too, where it's that feeling when you're reading an event comic with a team and you know the issue kind of starts off showing you, different moments of the characters that are going to, you know, team up to fight this threat later on and just giving you the introduction. I loved how Avengers did that in the beginning of their movie. And I felt justice mm-hmm. league did that really well too, with introducing all the characters we're going to see. So that was something that was a concern going in, but didn't, uh, didn't end up being a uh, criticism I had at all. I thought it worked really well. Um,
2: I did. I, I knew that going in that some people had said it just seemed like you were on a freight train right from the beginning mm-hmm. and it was going from one story beat right into the next. So as the movie was going, I didn't feel that way until we get to the tunnel scene uh, where the Justice League meets Steppenwolf mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. Uh, that part forward, I did kind of feel a little bit of – you know a, a few scenes needed to breathe here or there there was a scene in particular where they're in the night crawler where you could instantly tell like whoa, they just they just cut something yeah especially because right we see all
1: saw it in the trailers, too yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean yeah we have the benefit of you know seeing the trailers and all that stuff but but overall i i think i will agree with you know 90% of this i i di- i didn't feel rushed like i was Holding on to the edge of my my seat, and I had my wife by me uh, the whole entire time, and she's a good barometer of going. You know, we're podcasters; we're we're into this stuff mm-hmm. all the time. So, being with somebody that that knows, like, she knew all the characters. But as we were leaving the theater, I was like, "So, did you feel rushed at all?" She's like, "No." She's like, "I understood what was going on the whole time." She's like. Just about everything made sense to her, and the things that didn't only were just because she didn't have previous knowledge. So, yeah, for the most part, I, I will agree with the the way it was edited. And knowing that they – I think the original runtime was like two hours, 35, 245, something like that, that they cut that much time out of it, I was going to be like, wow, there's going to be huge chunks in this movie like BBS that just don't make any sense, and I didn't yeah. feel that that way at all. So that makes me go – now I'm curious to see what they did cut.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I mean, as much as I said I enjoyed how it was paced and edited, especially in the beginning, it doesn't mean I would like to see <laughs> those stuff oh, they right. cut out and certain scenes extended a little bit longer to give it that room to breathe, like you said. So, yeah, I totally agree. But that was—I was glad as I was watching the movie that a little mm-hmm. worry I had going into going into it didn't end up coming to fruition. So that was really cool. But yeah, so let's get into some of the characters and. We'll start off, of course, with the one you know we're all looking forward to seeing the most, I would say, as Batman fans. So <laughs> we'll start with Ben Affleck's Batman. And right off the bat, I mean, you know, the all the criticism that BVS got, I think across the board, most fans would agree that Ben Affleck gave a really, really great Batman performance. Despite if he didn't agree with uh, some of the characterizations they did for Batman, but his performance was great. So I was excited to see him as Batman again. And especially now where we know he's going to be like the more traditional Batman that I think we were looking forward to seeing instead of the one we got in BBS who was killing a bunch of people left and right and huh. wanted to <laughs> kill Superman. But like, as I mentioned at the beginning, that opening sequence was so cool. It felt like oh, wa- watching man. a new Batman movie in a way. It just, yes. It's hard to describe this awesome feeling as a fan that you had watching it, that Just that oh man, this is awesome. I'm seeing a new Batman movie, but oh no, wait, this is better. I'm seeing a Justice League movie and it's starting off with this awesome Batman sequence. So it kind of had a little uh, Batman 89 vibe to it, I thought at the beginning yeah. with him stopping the robber on the rooftop. Uh, at the same time, I thought it was just going to be you know him stopping a robber and you know just a little quick introduction to Batman, then maybe he'd go back to Alfred and get back to work on finding you know Barry Allen, Arthur Curry, and uh, Vic Stone. But no, it was... Using that uh, robber to draw out a parademon, which I did not expect, but it was awesome. And like I said, reminded me of that uh, first Justice League issue in the New 52 and that parademon Mm -hmm. taking Batman on a spin (laughs) out in the sky. It was just a really cool, awesome Batman sequence that, you know, I would probably say that was the best uh, sequence with Batman in the movie as far as action point goes. But uh, throughout the course of the film, I just, you know, really liked the idea of Batman being the one to try to bring the team together. And we knew that going in, but I thought they executed it really well in the film, Uh, you know, trying to first get Aquaman to join and then Barry Allen. then once you know, uh, Wonder Woman comes into the picture and knows that she's with him, he sends her to get uh, Victor Stone. So I thought the whole dynamic with Batman trying to bring the team together was great, but yet having that reluctancy to lead them as well, knowing that he has to do this, but it's not really something he he wants to, or he feels that he's the right person to do when it comes to leading this team into battle against, you know, an alien invasion. You know, that's why in the back of my mind to bring Superman back is at the uh, forefront of what he wants to do, too, because not only does he feel he let him down in BVS and that promise he made to him uh, that he won't fail him in life, but just the fact that Superman would be the right leader and person to lead this group against, you know, any threat that would come. So I just like Batman's whole uh, motivation throughout the film. And again, I thought Ben Affleck gave another great performance, not only as Batman, but in the Bruce Wayne moments too. So uh, I hate to bring this up as a little buzzkill, but all the talk about him, maybe not coming back. This could be it. It's like, uh, I hate for that to happen because I just love seeing his portrayal as Batman and especially here in, the way it ends leaves us a great taste in your mouth that at the same time would be, you know, a fitting way, I guess, or a fitting movie for Ben Affleck to leave yeah. Batman on, but there's so much more they can do with him. So, well, yeah, hopefully that's not the case, but for this movie, I thought he was great again as Batman and Bruce Wayne.
2: Yeah. Uh, that opening sequence, uh, I've been thinking about it all day, whether like I was going to say this on the podcast or <laughs> I really want to formulate my. Uh, my opinion more. I want to see it a second time, but I was talking to my uh, wife about it and my uh, fellow other podcasters and, um, YouTube channelers that I I talk with a lot. And I said, I think this might be my favorite Batman scene ever in any live action movie. Um, I was really trying to go through all of the films from the Nolan films to, you know, I could kind of easily, Uh, Dismiss uh, Batman and Robin and even though Batman Forever I do like and 89 returns and going what what are some of my favorite scenes and then I start thinking of other iterations of Batman from the Arkham video games and the animated series Justice League Unlimited and I felt like there was all of that stuff was in this opening scene with him going from gargoyles to swooping around the top of the water tower the guy can't find him. Uh, Batman's using his grappling gun uh, when he's dangling the guy over, and Batman says, you know, what are you doing? He's like, they smell fear. You know, that whole, just that whole sequence, and even when he uses the uh, grapple gun and uh, attaches the parademon to the wall, and the parademon's trying to, you know, bite at him and blows up, there's even that little move that you know, I was talking to someone, I'm like, that is straight up out of the Arkham game, where it's almost as if he sprayed the gel on the wall and
1: close it up (laughs) you know batman does
2: that little turn of like oh the the wall's going to explode um that i loved that opening scene if uh, matt reeves does a whole entire movie like that opening scene i'm i'm gonna lose it that that might be one of my favorite batman scenes of all time in there so i that's I want to see it again to really cement that in, but I just, I love that opening sequence.
1: Yeah, it was great. <laughs> just, like I said before, set the stage perfectly for what's to come later on in the movie. So, yeah, great introduction to Batman. Totally, totally agree. So, yeah, next up, this would be Wonder Woman, who I thought had just an equally as awesome moment <laughs> as Batman with her introduction. And yeah, you can kind of say it, you know. The whole sequence doesn't have anything to do with the main plot of the movie with, you know, with Steppenwolf and Parademon, but I don't care. It was still just a great introduction to Wonder Woman for this movie. Just her stopping, you know, a terrorist attack in the building with a lot of civilians in there it was just great to see. The action was really great on it. Heard using the lasso of truth, just, you know, bringing that one of those gunmen just up and interrogating him, and mm-hmm. in, you know, in a totally different style than Batman <laughs> who would interrogate someone. That was, you know, a good contrast. But I just loved the action sequence there too, especially after you know she gets rid of the bomb, but that, that gunman was still just going to start shooting all the civilians in there, and just seeing her deflect, you know, heavy machine gun bullets firing them with her bracelets in that fast-paced motion I thought was really cool and something we didn't see really in the first Wonder Woman movie because they didn't have weapons like that back then. But right. I've seen it now in the modern day and what she can do, I thought. And we've seen it a lot in uh, like Justice League, the animated series, and certain of the Justice League animated movies that come out with her just deflecting bullets really fast. So It was cool to see that in live action. And again, kind of like how Batman had a great sequence to introduce us back to him, Wonder Woman I thought had a great one as well
2: oh yeah her her opening scene was really good, and I was trying to watch from where you know where she was that in my mind in the end of the Wonder Woman movie when she leaps out um you know over the city uh-huh. i would I would like to think that it's that moment she's leaping to, so I was trying to go. Where where was she at in London? You know when all that was going on, and when the trailers were coming out, thinking you know they weren't showing us the face of the guy coming in. But I do like movies like that that you get these little vignettes. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if the Batman scene didn't have anything to do with the initial plot, you're just kind of like, here's this character that we're going to be talking about. Here's this character, and the Wonder Woman piece was a a nice little. like i said vignette that says hey here's wonder woman here's the character that you just saw uh, recently she's doing her thing like you said it's not connected to the uh, plot of the story at the moment it's just currently what she's doing and uh um i liked hearing the wonder woman theme kind of mixed in there in in a in a different way and uh i don't know if it's something you want to talk about uh later or not but um the way Danny Elfman played that theme i thought was was really pretty cool
1: yeah it was just like full-on orchestral yes which was, i thought worked really well and kind of wish we heard more of it about the movie but it it was really yeah. good in that sequence where she's just you know standing on that uh, statue ready to jump in to save the day it was you know fit really well so yeah yeah i thought that was a great use of it also so yeah um moving on to you know bruce's adventure to try to find the rest of the justice league and because after you know he gets, uh, after that opening sequence with the Parademon, he goes back on the plane with Alfred, which we saw in the trailer, but it was still cool to hear that, you know, little nod to the Penguin. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that 20-year history, you know, that this version of Batman has. It's just really cool that at certain moments we can get those little callbacks to stuff that us fans would be familiar with. But, you know, just him, you know, looking at those video footage and the files on Barry Allen Arthur Curry and Victor Stone and just kind of laying down the groundwork of the next characters we're going to meet and how at first they, you know, it says that Victor Stone was deceased and which I thought mm-hmm. was, you know, an interesting... Because I was curious how they were going to do Cyborg and this is another thing where the edit of the movie was going to come into play because we've seen footage in the trailer where Victor Stone was, you know, just normal, him in like in his on uh, the football field, yeah, jacket just walking around. So... I was curious to see if we were like going to get a flashback or something of like that with him, or he was going to once we were introduced to Cyborg, we were going to, you know, he was going to tell a story of what happened. But you know, once uh, that file said, you know, he was deceased, I just kind of got okay. We're probably just going to go straight, full on, be introduced to Cyborg, and eventually that would turn out to be right, where all that stuff with just Victor Stone got cut. But uh, yeah, before we get into Cyborg, if I remember right, this is the, I've only seen it once so far, so I don't know remember the introductions in order as far as who was shown to us first but the one that i recall uh i'm gonna go with talking about barry allen in the flash next because yeah i've heard that was one of the things going into it i've heard great things about ezra miller's perfor- performance as barry allen in the flash mm-hmm. and every opinion i've heard of that was correct i loved his portrayal as barry allen in the flash and to me it reminded me, going back to the Justice League animated series comparison, he reminded me more of that version of Wally West. Uh, yes. Just, you know, the one cracking the jokes, uh, always being having that happy-go-lucky attitude. But I just loved the first scene he was in, he, going in to visit his dad in prison, you know, oh, signing yeah. in. And then that guy sat behind him was like big old guy <laughs> telling him to hurry up. And then you see him, like, look turn around to look at him. He just... Waves his hand, okay, he's obviously using his powers, but what do he do there? And then they cut to the guy. He just uh, face-painted him all over with that pen. It was hilarious.
2: I, I thought it was even better that the security guard was like, are those prescription? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that was great, just setting up the type of flash we're going to get in this movie. It, it, I just crack it up so hard at that moment. So, but then it transitioned to you know, uh, him talking to his father about you know, him wanting to move on with his life, try to find a good job and to, you know, move on from him, which is, you know, classic Barry Allen background story, which mm-hmm. um, it's kind of what I was thinking. Like I compared him to the Wally West version of the Flash, uh, which, you know, you know how sometimes these studios don't like having two versions of the same character on the movie and in a TV show and which made me was kind of surprised that they went with Barry Allen in the movie after the TV show was already established with that version. And yeah, I just think the reason they did that was because Barry Allen's Flash just has a great background story and a great motivation for the character. That it's hard not to use that for our first feature film, Flash, as well. So I have no problems with it as far as them there being two different Flashes out there. But his story is just so great. So even though it was familiar, I still enjoyed seeing it played out on screen again. We didn't get, you know, full into uh, his origin story, but, you know, Bruce did mention when he was talking to Alfred how his dad's in prison for murdering his mother, but Barry believes his innocence and is trying to prove his innocence, so it was cool that they kept out all in there establishing that without necessarily showing us, but, yeah, Ezra Miller was just great throughout. I mean, this is, I mean, one-liners it has is, like like I said, he was anxious and, you know, excited to be a part of the team, but yet, I loved how they showed his, you know, him still being nervous about it and being, like, really a rookie in the hero business, and I love that line in the trailer, but it was great to hear it in the actual movie too, when they were about to take on the parademons where he's goes, that's where he was really nervous. I liked how they showed that. Like, yeah. Okay. What do I do? I know you guys are anxious to fight, but I just push people and run away real fast. And uh, that was a great Batman moment too, where he just tells him like, just save one. That's all you got to do. And he's like, "What? Do, well, what do I do after? You know, you'll know just, you know, a great moment is Batman showing his experience as a crime fighter. And then, you know, just, He's easily, you know, having this rookie hero, you know, ease him into that role, become like the protector of uh, civilians and the, the people that were captured at that particular moment in that sequence. Yeah. So I liked how even that played out throughout the course of the movie where it was established that Flash was going to be, you know, the hero who rescued everybody when civilians needed to be evacuated, they turned to Flash. So it all stemmed from that moment where Batman just told him, save one, and you'll know what to do. And that carried out, there's a course of the movie where we see flash as you know the one who would uh go to, someone needed to get out flash was the one to do it so i just love that aspect and this his interactions with the rest of the league was just so good him and cyborg had, had a good uh, rapport together that's Grave digging sequence where they're trying to <laughs> dig up Superman's body. This is how Flash thought it was wrong, but at the same time, thinking it was a bonding moment for him and Cyborg to get to know each other, and not getting that fist bump <laughs> until the very end <laughs> of the movie. So stuff like yeah. that was what made the interactions between these characters so great. So yeah, Flash I thought was awesome, and might be, other than Batman and Wonder Woman, the standout new character in this movie. He was perfect.
2: Yeah, I I loved like Ezra Miller at first seeing him in Batman versus Superman, which I think at the time he was filming something else. So he had had his like real long hair and was mm-hmm. kind of scruffy. And I think they even kind of, if I remember right, like we said, we've only seen it once. But I think Batman even kind of made a reference to that, like you know he's he's trying to stay off the grid. Um, even has changed appearance or something like that. I don't know if I'm remembering that correct or not, but I wasn't totally sure what I thought of Ezra Miller, because I have not seen any of his other films or know any of his body of work, and I was like, wow, I really like Grant's performance on the TV show. This was one of those where I was like, oh, just forget it. Bring in Grant from the TV show. You've already got a fan base there, but as soon as I started seeing the trailers, I thought, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I think I'm going to like Ezra Miller as The Flash. And that was really cool that what you said earlier about you know sometimes the the TV and you know DC as a whole doesn't like to have like we're not going to have Batman in two places. There's only just one of each of the characters, and I think they did a, a wise thing by using Barry, that you already have a built-in audience with a TV show, so it's not like well this is the Wally West Flash, and you've got to do more exposition. And I was really hoping they weren't going to change Barry's history at all in this it was like it's already working in the tv show if we have any casual fans of a tv show come into the justice league this should feel like very similar uh flash for the most part mm-hmm. um as as far as the story and the backup and you know my wife was like she's like that that worked well for her going oh this is just kind of like the tv show barry you know dad's framed for murder, and you know uh, it's the, the mother that's killed which means um Reverse flashes out there somewhere. So I thought that was really cool. But we're getting to see Barry before he gets into um, the police force, which means he got struck by lightning in a little different way, probably.
1: Yeah, that's Um, true.
2: Doing, doing something else since it wasn't at the police lab. But I was fine with that. And the chemistry that he had with his father was just kind of really a heartbreaking scene where his dad was like, you've got to go, go on with your life. Forget about me. I don't want to, I don't want to drag you down. And just, you know, he was not hearing it at all and getting to kind of see the range that Ezra Miller had, uh, makes me really want to see a Flash movie mm-hmm, yeah. uh, with, with him in it. Like that—that that sold me right away. That—that that scene alone might be one of my favorite scenes. And then the button on it when he gets the job and he's holding the paper up there and he's—it's—it's it's inferred like I'm going to be part of the police force. I'm going to get you out of this. We're going to figure this out. This you wanted me to get a job. This is a job, you know, yeah. that I have. So I thought that was just beautiful and hearing that the runtime was cut, I thought, Oh, I really don't want to lose Henry Allen. I thought, well, if I guess if we do but to see that we got two scenes uh with the both of them I thought was just absolutely perfect. So I yeah, Ezra Miller really won me over uh as the flash in this movie.
1: Yeah. I mean we know the Aquaman movie's coming next year, but I think if anyone they should green light a movie for right away, c- the coming out of Justice League is the Flash. Oh. Like get oh, that yeah. your next priority. <laughs> because it was so good. And you just want to see more of his portrayal of the flash instantly when it's over. So yeah, he was great. And, and then, the other
2: thing that I, I liked real quick before you go into the next one is, like I said, the the kid was the eyes of the audience. Uh, Barry became the eyes uh for us in there yeah. and him geek geeking out and being all over the bat cave sitting in the yeah, backfield going over here. <laughs> I mean, that would have been me in there. I would have been all over the bat cave while Bruce is trying to tell me something. I, I, that would be the greatest thing I'd ever done is to hang out in Batman's bat cave. And they allowed Barry Allen to be that person for the audience. I thought was just, was a really good call on uh Snyder slash uh, Joss to do.
1: Totally agree. Yep, yeah. I forgot about that sequence, but I'm glad you mentioned it right when they entered the Batcave. But this, even you know, coins the phrase Batcave <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, which I like, kind of like to think because we know Robin exists in this universe that he did first. But just that, you know, you instantly think that when you see it for the first time, kind of someone would geek out like he did for it. It was just great, and then just zipping around the different corners of it was just really, really cool. So, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll move on to Aquaman next. Who, you know. Uh, going into it, even when Jason Momo was cast as Aquaman, we knew this was going to be, you know, a different kind of Aquaman than what we're used to in the comics. But I thought he worked really well. I mean, this version of Aquaman and served his personality, served the team dynamic. I thought really, really good. And I love uh, the moments of Bruce trying to recruit him. And we saw the moment in the trailer where he's at that uh, bar or whatever, t- asking everyone in there if they know this man. But I really like the conversation they had after that, where they're just walking outside and before he goes back into the ocean. Just, you know, not playing any games where Bruce is trying to hide anything. You know, he tells him that he's Batman. What's going on? Have you heard of Superman and all that? I just love Aquaman's reaction, you know. So that whole, oh, so you dress like a bat thing? Because <laughs> we knew that in the trailer too, but that it was set up there and then made... That moment pay off a little more funnier once he does see Batman in costume, because at that moment when he's talking to Bruce, he's not sure like if he would actually do that. Is he crazy enough to actually dress like a bat? <laughs> so <laughs> that whole playful right. uh, banter they had at the beginning, I thought was really cool. And even the reluctancy of him not wanting to, you know, join Bruce in his cause right away, but yet you know once uh, he saves that uh, fisherman on the boat and describes of being attacked. You know, by like this creature falling from the sky, and he sees that green goop, and which causes him to go to Atlantis. I thought, you know, was, the progression of it I thought, worked really well. This goes back to the my whole thing with how it was paced and edited together. It mm-hmm. just reminds me, like how you would read again a comic, an event comic book that's setting up the characters, and because you know they each have those sections where they're just off on their own, setting up exposition and their reasoning to join into the fight. And I really liked Aquaman's when he goes back to Atlantis. It, it was a cool little action sequence of him fighting Steppenwolf and a little tease of some of the stuff we're going to see in his own movie. And, you know, getting introduced to Mara, I thought was really cool. And Amber Heard was really... It was a small role, but I thought she was really great as Mara from that little bit of dialogue that oh, they yeah? had. And just her powers on display, too. It's awesome to see. So yeah, a little bit of setting up the backstory for Aquaman, too, in their conversation, you know, just... Being DC comic geeks, uh, hearing that history being told on screen was just one of those geek out moments where you know she's talking about how you know she, she knows his mother, she uh, respected respected her, and then Aquaman still you know being resentful like oh if she, like but she left me like all alone and all that stuff. So that's why you know setting up the seeds for him not taking up the throne of Atlantis and his reasons why, which he'll, of course, get into in his full standalone movie. But yet he knows of his heritage. He obviously knows of Atlantis because he tells her, there's this, you know, a thing I need, like, before I go, which, of course, is uh, the Trident, which he uses on later in the movie. So Aquaman, I thought, worked really well into setting up his story. But then when he gets in interaction with the team, I thought was, was great. And they were kind of setting him up a little bit, too, I, I would say, in the trailers to be... Maybe not so much as comic relief as Flash, but to have really funny moments or, you know, be that <laughs> <it's like laughs> a moment where he jumps on the and he's all, yeah. and when movies. Oh, yeah. then when Cyborg catches him, he's all like, my man, and all that stuff. So, <laughs> so, But I'm just glad there was more to him than just that, yeah. which was nice to see. So, yeah, Aquaman, I thought they did a really great job on. So, just, again, this mo- moving down the line of the different Justice League members that they just, I thought, really, really nailed
2: yeah, I really liked uh, this version of Aquaman. It reminds me of the Peter David 1990s Hook hookhand uh, Aquaman, just with kind of in look and kind of what was going on, which uh, uh, was a, a great run. If you ever re- read the Peter David run of Aquaman, this is really kind of where this Aquaman, I think, is loosely uh, based on. But I like that he's... Very similar in a way to Batman, as as kind of a loner, and it's kind of even shown like you were talking about with Mera when he go, goes back to Atlantis, where he's he's a man of two worlds and doesn't feel like he belongs either place. Like he's helping people bring in you know fish and food at the you know at the shore, and it must spend enough time in Atlantis, but enough that you know he's supposed to be king, but doesn't doesn't want to go down that. Uh, that route. And um, I think out of all the justice League members was probably, if you look at all their, their story arcs was probably the least uh, formulated is the wrong word. It was most underserved. And I don't mean that bad because I think looking at a runtime for a movie, you know, in a year we're going to get an Aquaman movie. So you can spend a little less time on this one character, give us enough information that gets excited. But in the back of your mind, you know, we're going to get an Aquaman movie it's done and in the can and being edited and all that stuff. So a lot of the questions we have about this character, we're going to get in about a year. So I I was okay with what they gave us. Um, you know, I didn't know if he was going to be like the, the Brosephor, you know, Aquaman, but he, he was kind of reluctant through the whole thing. And the, the scene in the trailer that we saw with, um, you know, Alfred working in, I don't know if he's in the Batcave or he's in the forest or wherever, but with the glass shaking, everybody thinks that that's Superman's entrance. Mm -hmm. How did he, how did Aquaman know that they were going to be in the sewers that he was going to show up right at that minute? I'm half, I want to say, I think that's Superman's entrance. Like where Alfred says, I I knew you would come or uh, he said, I hoped you would come. Yeah. I half wonder if that's not Aquaman that shows up Hmm. and that, he says, whatever he says, Aquaman jumps into the water in the Batcave and takes off and, and then meets up with the team in the tunnel. Uh, mm-hmm. After having seen the movie, like how does Aquaman even know to show up there? That's kind of what I think um, ends up happening. I, I could be wrong. Um, hopefully uh, an extended cut will show that. But I, I really liked uh, Jason Momoa's performance. When they said uh, that he was going to be Aquaman, I was like, cool, I'm on. And I was glad that there were more layers to Aquaman and a scene that I thought was funny when he's sitting on the Batmobile yes. and happens to be sitting on the lasso of truth. <laughs> that was they're, great. They're all trying to point out and at one point like Bruce points to him and my wife leans over, she goes, Did he just point to his crotch? And I was like, I, I, I don't know what's going on and the look at Wonder Woman's face. Uh. And he goes over to Barry. He's like, if you say anything about this, you know yeah. <laughs> I thought the, And Barry's reaction, like it, it, it was re- that was a one of my favorite moments with Aquaman. Other than him just being, you know, uh, this real s- strong, tough guy, but the show there was there's a sense of humor and humanity to Aquaman I thought was really, really cool. But that that was that was a cool scene.
1: Yeah, I loved it. That was another was one of the big laugh out loud moments for me in the audience in the theater. It's it's crazy because it was a really nice transition to where he was saying, you know, oh, I think we're all going to die. This kind of looks hopeless. But I'll go out as a warrior. But then. He, it was like a smooth transition to where he starts revealing all that stuff about himself where to a yeah. point, maybe, you know, I should have caught this earlier, but when, uh, when it was revealed that the last of truth was on him, I was like, Oh, of course that's why he's doing that. But just, yeah. I thought it played out really good because it felt natural that he just, for some reason, transitioned to revealing about that himself. But when to get the reveal of the last of truth, it's like, okay, <laughs> that explains it, but it does it in such a great and funny way. So yeah, it was a great use of his character in that moment, too. So, But that's interesting what you said about that moment with Alfred maybe being cut. And I can kind of think that maybe that is the case because there were moments in the trailer that were total fake outs. And oh, we'll, get, yeah. we'll get to it later. But one of them that sticks out to me was in the final trailer that we got where Lois is talking to Clark and he tells her about, you know, oh, I take it. I'll take that as a yes and the ring and all that but then it gets revealed the next shot in the trailer is her in bed waking up realizing that oh it's a dream but mm-hmm. that sequence wasn't a dream <laughs> it totally played out and they just edited together the trailer to make you think so so maybe that was something similar to that moment with alfred saying you know he'd said you come with aquaman so i wouldn't be too surprised but i never thought about it but that's you know could be a good call and when people were saying that there's a hint of green, you know, yeah. <laughs> in, in
2: Alfred's glasses, that that could be, you know, um, a green lantern. I mean, Aquaman's suit is almost completely green in this. So that green you may be seeing could have been Aquaman. But I guess we'll have to wait for a, an extended cut to find out.
1: Yeah, I really do hope we get an extended cut. I mean, oh, we got it better. BVS, Suicide Squad. This one, I don't think it needs it, you know, to help the movie overall, like, those two movies did or made the movie better this is an extended cut for this one would just be more great stuff for dc fans to eat up and
2: and even just being star wars fans that we all want this like an extended cut i want a whole new hope with bigs and everything Mm -hmm. even if it's just deleted scenes like here's the scenes that we cut even if it's not integrated into the movie which i hope it is but if if i at least can see the scenes that were cut i'll i'll be satisfied with that
1: Totally, yeah. And I think we will get those. I just hope there's a good chunk of them on the Blu-ray to come out. So yes, here's hoping. Yeah, so next we move on to Cyborg, who, I I don't know, Cyborg's never been, you know, one of my top tier favorite DC characters. I've always liked him, but, you know, he wasn't like quite up there on the levels like, you know, Green Lantern, Flash, and some of the other members of the Justice League. Uh, But uh, it was still cool to see him in the movie, and he was portrayed really, really well by Ray Fisher in this film. And this, again, another one of those characters who you know had a good story arc throughout the course of the film. Where, like I said before, we're introduced to him as cyborg already. We didn't get the history of how he became cyborg, we got a little bit of a BVS, but we didn't actually see the accident, we didn't see him as a normal human at all. But at the same time, I thought the scenes that they did have in there with him talking to his dad really did establish. What he's going through and just how much of a struggle this is for him, which you know is essential to Cyborg as a character, and then to finally have him grow into accepting all his powers and abilities and to live with it. And they, the first time we introduced him and that con- conversation he had with his dad, really sold that point home, where you know he views himself as a monster and you know this really isn't living. And I like that concern he has, where he was hearing all uh, this, like this. Noise and leading to that uh, connected with the parademons, and he even mentioned that you know, ever since Superman, people were wondering when's the next alien invasion. Well, what happens if it's me? I just like that about him yeah. having that concern, and then that line he tells his dad where uh, he goes, Oh, you haven't told like the people at Star Labs that uh, there's a monster, and he goes, Of course, not. I haven't told him about you. He's like, Well, I wasn't talking about me, you know, referring to his dad as being the monster to make him like yeah. that. So just great stuff, and then the whole recruiting aspect with Wonder Woman trying to bring him onto the team. I, I like that. They had a great conversation when they met in that uh, uh, alleyway in the street. But I like the computer conversation they had before, yeah. where you know Cyborg's calling out Diana, telling telling her, "Yeah, I know who you are. I know who Bruce Wayne is." But then Diana, you know, calls him out, saying, "Oh, I knew you were watching me watching us the whole time." <laughs> like that point where she was talking to Bruce. Out on that grass fields there in the park, so just I just like the back and forth they were having, where they were like one up in each other and how awesome they are at <laughs> like deducing or knowing about the other. So I thought that was great, and then him finally joining the team and you know slowly easing into you know his abilities and learning how to use them. First, you know helping out uh, the team when he got into the Nightcrawler vehicle and you know started taking control of that, and then but at the same time too still having struggle with his powers and we'll get to the sequence a little bit later but when it comes when like a system starts going into defense mode once you know they see Superman and how he couldn't control it yet so it's so knowing that he's still getting used to his abilities but then by the time we get to the very end he's pretty much almost in full control of it and accepting it and his role as you know the tech guy so to speak and the one that has to you know without him they probably wouldn't he be able to stop those mother boxes from the unity? So I just like the progression of him. And Ray Fisher did a great job of portraying, you know, the, the tragic aspect of uh, Vic Stone and that accident he had of becoming, you know, this more machine than man type uh, character now. And just, you know, his interactions with the team, I thought was different from the others, but it served the dynamic and the chemistry of the team really well. So uh, I thought Ray Fisher did really good at Cyborg.
2: Yeah, I, I absolutely loved Cyborg. Out of the new characters, as much as I liked Ezra Miller and Jason Momoa as The Flash and Aquaman, respectively, the breakout character for me was Cyborg. Uh, growing up in the 80s and watching the Super Friends and being right there as Wolfman and Perez are uh, writing and creating uh, the new Teen Titans, and Cyborg is an integral part of that. Um And you know, just watching Super Friends on TV and seeing this cyborg character, I thought was such a neat character, and has other than you know uh, the two Robins and the Teen Titans was always my second uh, favorite uh, Titan. I always thought he was so cool and had such uh, unique potential. And then when the New Fifty Two started, them you're removing Martian Manhunter and putting in Cyborg. At first, I was like, oh, I miss Martian Manhunter, but Cyborg makes so much sense being a part of the Justice League mm-hmm. that he's a walking, living, breathing computer. And I like—I loved how Ray Fisher played with the cyborg character of, am I a monster? I'm not worthy. You know, H- have you told anybody about me? I, I might as well be dead. I- I'm not going to serve and be useful to anyone or anything. He hears these noises all the time and just – really grew into the character and that this is one of his first big movies and he gets to be cyborg. Um, I thought the character came off really good. Um, As much as I love the cyborg character, I think it might be really hard. I think he's kind of like an incredible Hulk kind of character. The cyborg character works so well integrated in with group teams that I don't know if he could sustain, sustain his own, Movie, But I think he would work so well, like we've heard in different things, like a buddy cop Mm. uh, type of movie with uh, the Flash and even the the grave robbing scene, uh, that they had a really good chemistry there. And his chemistry with uh, Superman later in the movie, I thought, was also very, very good. Um, So um, Ray Fisher's cyborg just notches it just a little bit. I think just because I just I grew up with this character. And just seeing him on the screen, this was one of those characters I thought I'm never going to see Cyborg anywhere. And uh, I think thanks to part to the New Fifty Two and Jeff Johns, Cyborg has really been elevated uh, tremendously. And you know, Teen Titans Go, he's very popular in that. So um, I I loved Cyborg's uh, character in this movie.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I never, you know, thought he would be in the movie, or just actually viewed him a member as. A justice, a Justice League member, because like I've always associated with him with the Teen Titans for so yeah. long, and then once he got into the New Fifty Two and became you know one of the founding members of the Justice League, it took a little while to get used to, but by the time we're at now, you know, several years later, now with the Justice League movie, it just it feels natural that like almost he's always been a part of the Justice League now because it, and- it just works so well as far as tying him his origin story to you know the formation of the league.
2: Oh, yeah. And I need to say this, too. My wife loves to rename characters Um, Throw a little Star Wars reference. My wife likes to refer to Boba Fett as Baby Fat. (laughs) (laughs) And her name for Cyborg, for some strange reason, is Cyborg Bob. I have no idea why. (laughs) Cyborg Bob. I don't know why. So... Uh, cyborg is one of her favorite characters in, in this movie as well as she leaned over as i'm watching the movie and whispers cyborg bob and i i started chuckling you know during <laughs> it so i did a little shout out to my wife there
1: <laughs> oh that's awesome but, so yeah that's the main group of the justice league we knew going into the movie that was going to be the focal point but we all knew there was another member of the team The <laughs> it wouldn't be the justice league without him. we knew it was going to show up and that of course is going to be Superman. The only question was, how would he come back? And, you know, what would his role be in the movie? So, that was the thing out of everything going into it where I did not want to know anything about Superman in this Mm -hmm. film. How he was brought back. What's his role going to be, you know, in the eventual final battle and just how he was going to be portrayed. So, that was the thing I was really excited to see in Justice League. And I got to say, I was taken by surprise by the reason they brought him back. How it was tied into the mother boxes, and that was, you know, the catalyst to bring Superman back to life. I was just kind of expecting to be, you know, just kind of like the comic book where he was never really dead, but, you know, his body was just kind of in a state of rest, and he decided to, you know, eventually come back. He would eventually come back based on his Kryptonian body, and I, I didn't think they'd go into a whole, you know, before like the comic was in the Fortress of Solitude and all the Kryptonian technology that was there to help with that, but this is the effect that the kryptonian you know, a bo- the Kryptonian body is so different than humans where it might look like he's dead, it's actually in a state of rest and he'll eventually come back. So I was surprised when the mother boxes was the reason that, you know, he did come back. But at the same time too, I was also surprised that uh Bruce his idea was to use it to bring him back, knowing after that action sequence when they fought Steppenwolf how they're no match for him. They you know, it's we need Superman or the world is gonna be destroyed. So I was surprised that it was actually the Justice League, especially Batman, the one to you know set this emotion to bring him back. And I did like the conversations they have, where you know there were some that were for it, some that were against it. You know, you had to have that dysfunctional moment between the team where they don't agree on in this movie. Mm-hmm. You got to have that in every team up movie, so that was the one in this one. I thought it worked well. I mean, you know, Bruce did come off like a jerk when he had that conversation with Diane, <laughs> but yeah. at the same time too. I did like how you know he was. There was a reasoning behind it, not just to bring Superman back, but in case you know it didn't, he, he knew he would be the she would be the better leader for this team. And I guess before we go into Superman's return, I I did like that whole dynamic where you know Batman and Bruce, you know that conversation he had with Wonder Woman, where they're kind of you know reconciling with each other after, because she was like they were really butting heads in the middle portion of this movie when they were bringing Superman back. And yeah. I just like the conversation where at at the end where he's brought back and they're, you know, trying to patch things up where he viewed her as, you know, the natural leader for this team. But her reasoning for not wanting to, I thought was really good, too, about, you know, she will do what she's needed to do in battle and she would go where she needed to be. But to be the leader to, you know, like rally the troops and send them to their death, like she couldn't she couldn't do that. I like how she said. She compared it to losing Steve Trevor. It'd be like doing that would be like losing Steve Trevor again like numerous times over, so I did like that uh, little motivation they had for Batman, you know recognizing her to being the more natural leader, and her reluctance to that I thought was really good too.
2: yeah, I thought that was a, a really great scene, especially where they're in the hangar where like the team is just put together and it's going to unravel where they're at, and I think we were supposed to feel you know, wrong about cyborg and flash. Like we're going to make the two new guys dig up, you know, where Barry was like, I could use super speed to do this. And we'd be done a lot faster, but it it feels morbid to do it. Yeah. And cyborg was like, this, this is what needs to be done. Um, I, I was kind of, that kind of bothered me on a, I think I'm more sided with wonder woman's li- uh, line of like, that's, we're talking about morality here. I was kind of hoping that the casket would be empty, uh, that was probably yeah. the only issue that I had where I was hoping Bruce would have and maybe should have said something like I spoke to Martha, the body was never buried. It's it's been here the whole time. And you know, that he would have come out in a black suit or or something like that. You didn't have to go through the whole grave robbing thing, or they get there and the grave's empty. That the Kryptonian technology, you know, went into fight or flight mode. And would have taken Superman's body and done, you know, whatever with him. But w- with what we were left, it did put our heroes in a, a dilemma. And even to the fact where um, Bruce and Alfred are talking in the Batcave of saying that Clark was more human than he was. Mm-hmm. You know, he found time on this world to fall in love, uh, get a job you know, he's more human than I am. Bruce singularly has been fighting this war on crime and hasn't, he's more alien than what Clark was and knows where his shortcomings are and has to be the reluctant leader. And it's, it's, it's making him upset that he misjudged Superman for who he was. And once Diana had said, you know, she does better in battle. It's that it's more weight on Bruce's shoulders. Like we have to do this. And, playing the whole d-bag batman of going i will rob every single grave in gotham city if that's what it takes to to make this work so we get superman back and that's typically what batman would do his his opinions are not going to be the best and brightest opinions it's going to be the this this is going to be ugly but we're going to do it he's not even going to apologize for it he's Uh, just going to
1: go where alfred like asks, well, what if superman you know wants to BIP he'll, he'll get over it. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And there, there's another great line later that we'll, we'll talk about from Superman. But yeah, I, I, I thought their interactions before Superman comes back and knowing what they have to do. Um, and even Aquaman, like right at the very end, he's like, I changed my mind. I think this is a horrible
0: yeah.
1: idea. <laughs> yeah, so obviously it works. They bring Superman back and we get this moment where, you know, he just flies out of the ship he goes to the the monument, I believe it's called the Monument of Heroes, if I remember I think so. from BVS. He goes there, it's like all shattered, his statues broken down, and he's just staring, just floating in the sky, and then the Justice League, you know, comes going after him. And I was curious about this scene in the trailer, where there are kind of Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Aquaman, and Flash, they're all lined up, it's in the daytime. I was always wondering, what's that? What's the context going to be in this movie? Is this like at the very end, where they're like, being awarded by the city, because almost... A lot of Justice League yeah. stories. There's always like the president's giving a speech and they're just standing there, like getting their <laughs> accolades. So I was like, is this going to be the end of the movie where they're being rewarded for saving the world? But nope, it was something totally different. I mean, <laughs> I was not expecting a Superman Justice League fight in this movie, but boy, did I love it. <laughs> this is, yeah, might be one of my favorite sequences of the film. And I can, you know, the whole thing about Superman, the whole you know, the biggest complaint about this portrayal of Superman in the DCEU is, you know, being the more dark and somber Superman that's not, you know, very hopeful or inspiring. So I was kind of surprised they're, you know, showing this evil version of Superman, just upping that even more so, which was that's been such a debate amongst fans about this portrayal of the character. But I thought it made sense for the story they were trying to tell here. You know, it's natural for in, in these stories where characters are being brought back from the dead, how they're not, you know, in their right state of mind. Heck, I mean, Batman's been through it tons of time with Rachel Cole being brought back in the Lazarus <laughs> pit. How it this messes right. you up for, for a little bit? So I thought it totally made sense for there where, you know, he didn't exactly know what's going to going on. Didn't remember certain characters, but yet once he saw Batman that triggered, you know, probably the last oh. traumatic experience he had while he was alive. And this, is when he goes after him. So I, uh, but from a whole action standpoint, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> it was just cool su- seeing Superman at full strength, not holding back, taking down the Justice League one by one, I thought was amazing. And boy, that moment where they're all ganging up on him and then Flash is about to <laughs> go from behind and sneak up on him, thinking you know in his speed and doesn't you know like Superman will notice him. Boy, when it's in slow motion and then Superman gives him – that's like evil eye look. Oh, <laughs> <Noticing> yeah. see <laughs> that, oh, I see you, and the look of shock and horror on Flash's face—it <laughs> was like it was priceless. <laughs> that got that got one of the biggest laughs in the theater too. Just that look on Flash's face, like, oh crap, <laughs> like, like I'm in for it now. <laughs> so that whole action sequence, I thought was really, really awesome, and just you know, like I said, seeing Superman's powers on full display here, just showing that they're no match for him, and then that moment where he sees. Batman, I thought was great too. And to me, it it makes sense. This is, I know, a moment that didn't work for a lot of people. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I've seen a few responses from the people on this sequence that they weren't the biggest fans of it. But I thought it made total sense as far as once Batman got into the picture and how Superman was just, you know, ready to exact revenge on him. Where, you know, and that callback to the line where he goes, do you bleed? I thought that it worked well in this sequence too, kind of Superman, you know, throwing it back in Batman's face. But I, I knew it was coming where, you know, Lois was going to, it was going to be Lois or Martha that comes that snaps him out of it, which, you know, worked fine, but I'll get into this a little bit later, which is one of my, you know, nitpicks about the movie, but that whole sequence of Superman making his, you know, grand reappearance in this movie was totally unexpected. I got to say at the same time, I didn't know if, you know, since I didn't expect it, I didn't know if this was the best way to do it. But once that action started kicking in, I go I just, you know, kind of forgot about that, just totally eating up thinking this is awesome. And just, you know, seeing Superman go toe toe with the Justice League was just it just was so awesome for as as an active sequence and just for as a DC fan seeing it on screen was just really, really cool. So overall I love that whole sequence of Superman coming back for the first time.
2: No, this was one sequence – I shouldn't say sequence. This was one beat that I kind of knew was probably going to happen, and it was because of an interview with Danny Elfman once sections of the soundtrack were released that he was saying he got a chance to use the John Williams theme, but it's in a dark, mysterious way. And any time he gets a chance to play you know, with the John Williams theme is great. But And the line he said in the interview was, You know, we're not sure if Superman's good or bad when he comes back. And once I heard, I couldn't resist myself. I had to hear the audio and hearing the John Williams theme all distorted and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's only one reason he's going to distort the John Williams theme and bring it in a lower key register. Um, it, It almost kind of sounds like the Imperial March, like something bad is happening. So when he came back... I thought okay that we're going to have a fight with the Justice League. So not that it was spoiled, but I I kind of knew that going in that we're going to we're not going to get the hi guys, I'm back. Let's go save the day. It, it's it's going to be a fight. Now, the type of fight that it was, I had no idea it was going to play out like this and I thought, you know, they're all going to be at Heroes Park receiving an award at the end of the movie. And even in those scenes I thought, well, why aren't we seeing Batman in this? A little you do, know, we know Batman's coming a little bit later. So I thought the scene played out very well And the, like I said, the part with the flash is really good. But the one that got me is where he's picking Batman up by the jaw. And you kind of hear almost like his jaw breaking a little bit where it's like, okay, he just headbutted wonder woman, which just about churned your stomach with how hard yeah. he must have hit her where I'm like, everybody's down for the count. There is nobody else. Uh, to uh to save the day and then you know lois comes out and that's kind of what snaps uh superman out of and he throws
1: batman away like a rag doll yeah.
2: <laughs> to the ground you know, it could have been 20 feet to the
1: ground yeah, you, you really. don't even see it too like he just throws him, and they yeah. don't pan to batman on the floor or anything till later like you just don't even know what happened to him
2: <laughs> right where he's
1: like yeah i think i'm definitely yeah. <laughs> here or,
2: or something like that but Hearing the BVS line of like Lois, she's the key or whatever, I'm trying to remember. I've I've been asking a couple of different people if I'm remembering a Justice League uh, Unlimited movie or if it's – I think it might be Batman Hush where Bruce – or Batman takes uh, Lois to the top of a building and drops her to snap Superman out. of, I think it's hush. Yeah. He's under control, of poison Ivy. And that's the thing I was kind of waiting for a moment like that, mm-hmm. that Batman's going to have to do something to Lois to snap him out of it. But just simply bringing her there that the connection with Batman and Lois is the only things he's really remembering at that point. So he's just remembering love and hope from Lois and then they take off. So I thought that that sequence worked, worked very well.
1: Yeah, totally. And this is kind of where, you know, uh, a little bit of an issue with or I don't know if this is a product of the editing or whatnot, but here's my thing because this overall Superman's return I thought was great, but I thought it could have been, I don't know if I was expecting something different, like I said before, or just handled a little bit differently as far as when he does come back in the final fight because I don't know, I I know where in this plot and where it's coming from in the movie where Lois, you know, triggers the goodness that's back in him, but he was totally... Different character, pretty much. Than what we saw Man of Steel and BVS in that final action sequence, which I love. That was like the Superman. I think everybody was waiting to see After Man of Steel. The mm-hmm. more you know, happy Superman, the cheerful Superman, the hopeful Superman. This you know his dialogue, that action sequence, which we'll get to after I share my little uh, negative point of them of Superman and Lois back at the Kent farm. But the thing is. I just thought he kind of snapped out of it a little too quickly. Not in that moment where Lois comes, but once they back to the farm, he's pretty much back to old Clark Kent. We don't know how much time has passed in there, but I was kind of hoping or wanting to hear a little more of an explanation uh, from Superman saying, you know, you know, being dead has given me a new perspective or it changed me in some yeah. way. Just to give a little more context to how he's pretty much a totally different character, but it's just, you no, know, he... Lois is there and she's solved everything. And maybe it was because then Marcia comes here, comes to the Kent farm too a little later. So I'm assuming like some, he probably had that conversation with them somewhere. We just didn't get to see it, but it would have been a little nice to get a little more context or explanation as far as, you know, him, you know, being so different at the end of the movie and just, and then just also him, uh, I guess they don't really get too clear on the time frame, but him showing up as late as he did, uh, because whether he was still talking to Lois and Martha or maybe they had to talk him into going, but they never really established that. So it was like he wasn't there at the beginning of the final sequence because they knew they wanted to save it as you know a big moment to where everything's looking hopeless, but then Superman comes in to save the day, which, again, going into it, I thought that final sequence is where Superman is going to see the Justice League for the first time. Like That's the first time they're all going to see him is in that final sequence. And just being in awe of, like, his presence, or at least, like, Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg, who've never seen him before. And just seeing, you know, this beacon of hope that Superman is supposed to be. And we still kind of got that a little bit in the final sequence, but not onto the level that I was expecting of. So that was one of the little nitpicks I have about the film and just Superman's return in general. Just how we didn't get, I think, spend enough time of him coming to, I guess, terms with being back and the explanation of just his whole total different personality, which you can piece together in your head and the reasons why, but it would have been nice to actually get a little of that in the actual film.
2: Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Um, which, you know, you did, did, does he go to the bat cave to pick up his costume? Did Bruce fix it? Exactly, did he yeah. know I can go to the Kryptonian ship and just get another one? Um, did he have one in on the camp farm somewhere? Um, I didn't know if we were going to get some struggles during the fight. With uh, my fear was we're going to get a Superman back, but he's going to it's going to take a half the fight for him to fully come into his own. He's his punches aren't landing right, and I was like, when he comes into this fight, he better have no problem taking mm, out stepping yeah. off. Um Which you know, I will probably get to that a little bit. So I'm glad that 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 was there. But I I was with you. And knowing that they cut a bunch out, I'm like, was that stuff that's filmed with there's more exposition there on the farm between he and Lois? Where, you know, the you know, I take that as a yes line was cut out of the film. Um, so I I you could kinda of tell there was probably more supposed to be there. Even if it's just dialogue, we don't see much, but it's just between he and Lois that maybe Lois is just reiterating what Batman has been trying to do with the Justice League this this time that he's been gone mm-hmm. that's supposed to inspire him. So um, yeah, that that was kind of a, a nitpick. The I shouldn't say nitpick. Yeah, a little nitpick. It didn't make me like the movie less, but I I just I wanted a little bit more history there. Yeah.
1: See, this is I'm kind of torn on this because I think it would have been better if like Superman's first appearance is at that very end. Of the action sequence, yeah. but at the same time, I love the sequence we just talked about with him taking on the Justice League. So it's like I can't really complain if I liked what they <laughs> did have in the movie too. So it's, it's a weird scenario for me. So I'm just I'm leaning more towards it being more of a positive thing, despite having that little nitpick there. So yeah, yeah. So I guess before moving on to like some of the action sequences, I guess the last character to talk about would be the villain of the movie, Steppenwolf, and boy, he is just getting destroyed by fans, critics everywhere about being like the worst comic book movie villain ever, CG being awful. So going into the movie, I wasn't expecting much from Steppenwolf. But you know what? Maybe because there was, I expectations were just so low from what I was hearing. I thought he was fine. I thought he served his yeah. purpose in the movie really well. And actually there was more to him than I thought because I was very happy that we got a little bit of teases of apocalypse and dark side. I mean, he said his mm-hmm. name, which I was—I was another geek out I was glad to hear it, but the fact that because I just thought, okay, he's the mother boxes are activated. He's gonna come claim him, come claim them, and then you know get the world ready for dark side to you know terraform it to a new apocalypse, have it ready for dark side. But there was a little more to it to that, where you know he's trying to redeem himself to dark side. Like, he's an exile, so it makes sense where this is really important to him to you know, take over Earth, and that's his way back into Darkseid's good graces. So I did like that aspect of him having a little bit of motivation. Sure, there wasn't a lot of it, but I thought we just got enough of him to serve his purpose well in the movie. And that goes back to the whole thing we were talking about in the beginning about the story being simple. I think the same could be applied to the villain as well. This is all about the team of the Justice League. That's where the movie is going to focus on. So if you had to spend time establishing like, a really, you know, drawn out uh, characterization of a villain in this movie too, that could, you know, take more time from the league and have it focus on a villain who's really not that important to begin with when it's Steppenwolf, which now that I think about it, because I always thought it was a weird choice to have him be the first villain for a Justice League movie. But now that I've seen it, I think it was probably the smart choice because you when you bring Darkseid in, he has to be done right. It was like, he can't get the Steppenwolf treatment here. He has to be handle as like a really great villain and it's a good thing they saved him for hopefully movies down the line where you got the team established but now you can you know focus the attention that dark side would need and deserves for him to be the main villain of a movie so just steppenwolf i thought served his role fine in this movie and i gotta say he has a cg great no but it didn't really take me out when i was watching it i never had the feeling where i was going Oh man, this scene is ruined because the CGI is so awful. It was like I didn't get that feeling. There certain shots, yeah, weren't as good as others, but at the same time I never got taken out of the film while I was watching it. So Steppenwolf, you know what, it is kind of a take or leave. It's not like a big negative on the film for me. He just he's there, he serves his purpose and you know, I got more out of him than I thought with his uh, history with uh Dark Side and his apocalypse and, and apocalypse and his motivations for doing all this. So I thought he was fine.
2: Oh I did too, and I think you know I had heard that coming into the film too that oh, it's poor CGI and a typical gray monster, which i I would like that's one thing I would do like to have. I think the bad guys can have color, you mm. know, I don't think all the decepticons need to be gray and I don't think yeah. you know every bad person needs to be just monotone color, but that being said my my expectations were a little low on. Steppenwolf, and I'm like, I I thought he was very well. I looked very well. Like you said, there a couple little spots here and there. I had more of a problem with Superman's lip than I did.
1: <laughs> you see, <laughs> I Steppen- think even the- that – I didn't notice it yeah. when I was watching. It, I got to be honest. Maybe I will when I see it a second time. But I was expecting that to be something else that's going to distract me. But maybe it just – It's a testament to the movie and how much I was engrossed and engaged into it that I didn't even notice anything with Superman and his mustache. So maybe I will on future viewings. But first time I saw it, I was just eating up everything I was seeing. I didn't even notice it.
2: Yeah, Had this come out in 1989, there would have been no internet. I would have had no idea that they had to go back in. He had a mustache not to go back to Superman. But I think sometimes we know way too much going into a movie. So we're looking for that thing that they told, well, hopefully people won't notice it. Mm If you don't tell me to look for it, I'm probably not going to look for it. I may say, yeah, it looked a little funny, but maybe the audio was out of sync or something. So, but it's back to Steppenwolf. I I found him very enjoyable, and he served the purpose to me. I took it like Darkseid says: go to Earth. There's no real problems there. I don't need to be there. We can conquer this planet. We can get the Mother Boxes back. Problem solved. And that that was his job to go take over the world. Handed over to Dark Side, day done for Apocalypse and the New Gods. Um, so I didn't need this huge convoluted story for Steppenwolf. And I thought when he was on screen, at no point was I just going, "Ew, I don't know." Yeah. The CG's horrible. I can't get into the character, you know. And the the dialogue was was really good for him. Even things where people are like, "I I have families," and he his Steppenwolf's like, "Why do people keep saying uh, that?" Yeah. You know. <laughs> Which was a little laugh, but it's like it's not important to him. I need the mother boxes. I'll, I'll just keep snapping everybody's neck. And the funny thing is, you know, if you tell me, I won't kill you. But I'm going to end up killing you anyway because we're going to terraform this whole planet into apocalypse and you're going to be all dead or be all parademons working for us anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought Steppenwolf was serviceable. As a villain, and for me, I wasn't going there. It's not like I'm going into Star Wars really wanting a lot of Darth Vader. I'm going into well.
0: <laughs> Justice.
2: <laughs> well, no, I, I I take that back. It's it's not like I'm going into Star Wars. I really am going into Star Wars for Darth Vader. That's not why I'm going into Justice. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I, I said that backwards. Yeah. I'm going into Justice League for the heroes. As opposite for Star Wars, I'm going in for all the villains and heroes and everything in general. Sometimes you go into Star Wars like Rogue One. I'm what I can't wait to see Darth Vader whip some butt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's that was not the point of Justice League for this villain. The villain was, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna destroy the world, who's gonna stop me? It's gonna be these six individuals that are going to stop. And that's where our story rests. So I had no problem with Steppenwolf at all.
1: Yep. I'm with you. And kind of using uh, uh, Steppenwolf to, you know, transition into talking about the action sequences. One of my favorites was Wonder Woman's telling Bruce the history of Steppenwolf and his invasion of Earth for the first time. Mm. Oh, man, was that amazing. (laughs) For a few reasons. Well, one in particular. But I just love the history it laid out, you know, for... The DC universe in a way. I we knew about this going in because we heard reports, or at least I did, from set reports, and they even showed a little bit of the trailers. How the history of the Mother Boxes on Earth, you know, how one the Atlanteans had one, the Amazons had one, and mankind had one. But the context of how they got them and how there was a big war for them, you know, wasn't uh, something that I knew about going in, except for a few shots of the trailers. And how Steppenwolf was first involved with that. And it had a Lord of the Rings feel to it. You know, the, the prologue for that one with Sauron and the, uh, the union of men and elves to take him on. It was kind of had that feel with the Atlanteans, the Amazons, and humans going forth. So that was a really cool, epic battle sequence. But, oh man. <laughs> the line in the trailer got me excited for the possibilities of what Steppenwolf says. No Kryptonians. No lanterns. And that was cut. From, oh, that was yeah. cut from the movie, but right. we got something even better. We saw a oh, lantern. Man. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that was awesome. I was totally not expecting that, but once we saw him flying, and we got, you know, the construct. It was a quick shot, but we saw we saw one construct, and it was amazing. And just a little, we saw him get killed, but that moment where you see the ring. Fly off and like Steppenwolf turns his head and looks at it as it flies off to try to find another suitable person to wield it. It was just oh. uh, <laughs> the my biggest geek out moment of the movie was right there. It was just awesome. They didn't have to do that, I mean, but it was just a nice nod at the history that you know the, the what's there in the DC universe and being it's like so f- far back in time too. Just how established it is. That was awesome because. Like I said, this is a small thing. You saw one construct. you saw the ring leave him, but that was something we didn't see in the Green Lantern movie. It was like once the Green Lantern dies, the ring goes off and it just flies off by itself. But it's such a big part of the Green Lantern mythos that it was just kind of cool to see that one little thing played out in the movie. And again, just the history of the DC universe being established here was so so good. And there was another moment too where me and my brother trying to figure out. We saw this a uh, uh, big human guy with lightning bolts like he was throwing lightning bolts at his enemies and I was thinking, Oh, is that Zeus? But then my brother's like goes, Hey, maybe that's like the first Shazam. Cause we know the Shazam's movie coming. Maybe that was, yeah. you know, the very first one. So it's these little things that I, I loved how they're just showing the history of DC in this one sequence. It was a great action sequence just by on it by itself. But having those little nods and Easter eggs in there just blew me away. It was so, so cool. I think every DC fan had to have a big geek out moment in that one. <laughs>
2: You know, if we couldn't get unite the seven in this movie, to know, I think going into it, I was almost 100. We're we're not going to see Green Lantern. I was even going, is it going to be how how Jordan is it gonna be John Stewart? I don't care if it's Guy Gardner, you mm, know, yeah. <laughs> Kyle Rayner, like somebody, you just know, I see knew <laughs> going in? Yeah, and I was just like, you know what, I, we're not going to get it. Uh, There's people thinking, you know, when Alfred says, you know. Uh, he knew you were going to come people like it's got to be a green lantern i'm like no as much as the toys are coming out they're not announcing a green lantern there's not a mystery figure out there so i was just like all right we've got six members of the justice league i'm fine i'm cool with that but when that scene showed and we see the construct get wielded around and the ring flies off i that blew me out of the seat i was like holy crap i cannot believe i just saw that so that that was great so I go, well, I didn't get a Green Lantern in the movie, but I kinda mm-hmm. did. So <laughs> that, that I thought that was just great. And then I have, was of two minds too. I, I was probably thinking that was probably Zeus. Somebody said maybe it was Hercules or something like that, with being you know, with the Amazon and mm-hmm. fighting. But it'd be nice to think maybe that was the first Shazam there but again just the the nods and little easter eggs sprinkled out through the whole movie just showed the testament of like what a rich and vast dc universe this is going to be so that that whole history lesson i thought was just absolutely marvelous yeah it
1: was arguably my it might be or definitely one of his one of my favorite sequences of the movie it was so cool oh yeah i even loved to steppenwolf's dialogue when he was talking to I think we're talking to Wonder Woman. How he's talking about, oh, we're like one of the old gods. Well, referencing the old gods and then establishing the new gods that we know about too. Again, just laying down or planting the seeds for the bigger DC universe. I thought was really really cool. So, yeah, that action sequence was one of my favorites. But the other big one too was the, you know, the fight in the underground, like the sewers of Gotham or under the harbor, where it's like the first big mm-hmm. Justice League fight. We touched on a little bit with uh flash but how they were all he was nervous but the team just getting ready for that first big fight and i thought it was really cool setting the stage up for you know the bigger one to come later but um each of them you know playing their role here too like i said flash getting the hostages out uh cyborg you know rescuing his dad first and foremost and then uh wonder woman having the you know hand-to-hand fight with steppenwolf which was really cool i just love it when there's these one-on-one fights and there's these wide shots of just showing them going at it and the sequence had that between Wonder Woman and Steppenwolf and then Batman taking on Parademons but having a hard time with it, <laughs> it was sort just there was being <laughs> strong a bunch of strong aliens going after him and there's only so much he can do but once he gets into that Nightcrawler and just starts wreaking havoc on them was cool so it was a fun action sequence and then the moment too where uh, Wonder is falling out to get that sword and Flash goes into action to help her out again being that support character amongst the fight uh just either helping civilians or helping the other team out members of the team out in different ways and just gives that little tap on the sword to have her uh, reclaim it what's cool and then aquaman comes in with his big entrance stopping the water uh, from flooding uh, the underground there so it was just a fun action sequence that uh, was a good way to show the league fighting together for the first time
2: yeah that whole tunnel sequence, like you said, I thought was really cool. Um, and I really found the parademons are really kind of cool too. Yeah. They were you know, some people were like, Oh, they're just a bunch of flying gnats. I'm like, well, that's the, that's what the parademons are. And I, I was kind of wanting to see more of them and see Batman going up against and it was kind of it's kind of cool as a Batman fan to, to see Batman struggle a little bit as you know, Batman has a contingency plan for everything and he knows, okay. I can fight hand-to-hand so well, but I've got this Nightcrawler thing, so Batman knows what what he needs to be able to do to help the League out and can be more of a tactical person. I think that, that sequence worked really well. But the Flash coming into, you know, we've touched on like I said, a couple times of, you know, I just run really fast and push people, and Bruce telling him, you know, Get one, save one, and you'll know what to do after that. And after he saves the first person, he knows, okay, I, I, I have my purpose. I know what I'm, what I'm doing here. I thought that was really cool. And like you said, the the sequence with the sword where he just pushes it uh, slightly right back to her, and uh, uh, just everybody. Interacting with one another, I thought was was really pretty cool. And again, with the trailers, seeing you know the sequence with Cyborg coming into the Nightcrawler was right side up in the trailer, but finding out you know he's actually upside down and having to scale oh, back right, up the wall yeah. and come come back down, I thought was really pretty cool. And Alfred being like, "I'm sorry, do do I know you?" Which was really was really pretty cool. And getting to see how he connects and interacts with uh, Batman's tech and everything, I thought was really pretty cool. So that sequence was. And I was glad that it wasn't like typical superhero movies where we spend a lot of time with the heroes out of costume. They were yeah. all their heroes for a large chunks of the movie, but also their interaction, getting to see Batman without his cowl, talking to different members of the league. But that that whole sequence was was really, really cool.
1: Yeah, that's a good point that you brought up because yeah, a, a lot of the Marvel movies do that where either Tony Stark's not in his Iron Man suit, but he's still – in some action sequences or Captain America doesn't have his helmet on or is in civilian clothes. So, yeah, I get where you're coming from there. And this had a nice balance of, you know, when they needed to be in their costumes, they were in their costumes. There weren't any reasons where, you know, they had to fight without them. So, But at the same time, there was plenty of moments where they were just, in like their civilian clothes talking with each other. So it's a good balance with that too. But, yeah, so that leads to the big final moment, climactic battle of the movie where uh, the League has to go into... I believe it was, it was like a, a it's like a town in Russia, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where yeah. Steppenwolf, you know, does his his base operation was at, and this, there's a small town that's shielded, and you know, is the start of the terraforming of Earth into apocalypse, and uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Flash, and Aquaman are there to stop it. And this sequence, it was really cool, but I got to say, this is one of my little disappointments of the film. I did feel they showed a lot of the stuff, especially in the beginning of the sequence of, you know, Bruce and the Batmobile and the different mm-hmm. members outside of Steppenwolf's base taking on Parademons. I thought they showed a little too much in the trailers and some of the commercials, even though I tried to stay away from the TV spots, like at the beginning of this month, because I was afraid of that happening. A lot of the cool sequences that were shown in there in the movie were shown in trailers and TV spots, but there were still plenty of great moments in there as well. I just. Liked how you know Batman, his his focus is just to you know distract Steppenwolf's parademons, draw them all out for the rest of the league, can get into the base and st- stop the mother boxes. But yet he he went in that went into that plan knowing that he would, probably wasn't going to survive, and he just gave the team orders you know just whatever you do, just don't come after me, just keep going straight onto to those mother boxes and to disable them, and knowing that he probably was going to die, but. I loved how Wonder Woman kind of, you know, did what Batman told her to do, lead, and she gave the rest of the team orders to go and help Batman. And they even said, I think it was Cyborg who said, like, Wonder Woman didn't give us a choice uh, to, to help you, so, like, we had to do it. So, again, just another great dynamic between the team members, uh, mixing it in with some cool action sequences. So, it was a great sequence. A lot of cool stuff between the characters that had their own, you know, cool moments. I just wish... It was a little longer, and this is, you know, I guess fanboy nitpicking here because I just thought for an end climactic battle sequence for a first Justice League movie, it felt a little on the short side to me. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm comparing it to The Avengers because, you know, it's the biggest superhero team-up movie we have out there (laughs) with the Justice League, so kind of, you know, have to make comparisons in certain areas, but that final action sequence in the first movie I thought was perfect. The right amount of length, because let's be honest— that's a big reason why we're excited for these team up movies with these iconic heroes. Do you want to see them in action sequences and their powers on display? And I thought the end sequence for the Avengers was the perfect amount of time that, you know, didn't drag on too long, it wasn't too short, and each character got their due. And while that was the same with Justice League, where each character had their really cool moment, I just felt the entire sequence as a whole wasn't as epic as it could have been or maybe should have been for a first Justice League movie. So that was my one complaint about it, but there's a lot of cool stuff in there that still made it for a really cool action sequence to close out the movie.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. I I wanted the the large scale fight. Now that Superman has entered the fight and uh, is kicking butt with the rest of the Justice League, I was really wanting to spend some quality time with there. And again, with only one viewing, I don't know going back to it if I'll I'll feel a little differently because as you're seeing it for the first time, you're just trying to look everywhere on the screen. I felt like everything was going by so quick. I think because I knew seeing some of the trailers, which we complained a lot with BVS that we saw a ton of stuff in the trailers. And I thought Justice League did very well with the trailers of, like we were saying, misdirecting us. But once we saw batman like we knew the tactical suit was probably going to be the last thing he was going to wear so once he's in the tactical suit you're already in the mindset of like okay we're coming in to the end of the movie superman's back and this is where we're going to go that i was just trying to soak it all in but i i could have done with another five to ten minutes easily in that section and put some of our heroes in a little bit more peril um as it were just trying to uh, fight off steppenwolf and the amount of parademons but something i thought was very cool was flash was still going out and saving people the yeah. the family being ch- trapped in that house kind of I, I felt like every time we went we went back there i was like that was taking us away from something else but we got to see the heroes saving people we get to see Flash take that family out, and then <laughs> oh, Superman man. has to one up. That was awesome. <laughs> one up, you know. Barry's like, "Oh, great! I saved this whole family." And here comes Superman carrying an entire building. Uh, that, that got a really huge you chuckle. Know. And it would have been really cool to get a close up of Superman's face with him winking at Barry, like, "Oh, you you just saved six. I saved six hundred. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever it was." But. Typical Superman being Superman, which just was so cool. Yeah. Um, and just seeing uh, each of the heroes, you know, I, I felt like I was reading a comic book uh, come to life and just seeing all of them work together um, independently and working together in tandems or in trios, uh, trading licks. When one falls down, the next one hops right back in. Aquaman and Wonder Woman really taking on the brunt of Steppenwolf for a while there as Superman was fighting back and forth and once superman came in you could see the team was like okay superman's here we can go off and do and kind of ward off all the parademons and while cyborg was kind of uh, trying to still stay attached and detaching the mother boxes so i just i wanted more of that so that's another little nitpick i had I, I could have just spent more time there but man what we got i i
1: really enjoyed totally yeah and just going back to superman again it his appearance in this final sequence was like magical in a way (laughs) it was just so so cool to see this version of superman interacting with all these heroes it was everything i was hoping it would be and more i mean just appearing right away in front of steppenwolf and just being steppenwolf being no match for superman like you said earlier how it should be it was just amazing to see just superman again his powers on display here that also recognizing civilians needed help too. Batman sent Flash out to help the civilians he can, but Superman knows there's a lot more that need help in that regard too. So he goes off to help those in need as well. And that was just great. I think a great testament to the sequence and Henry Cavill's performance here in this moment as Superman is just these Superman is just meeting these characters technically for the first time right here because he wasn't in the right state of mind when they brought him back. Like we talked right. about before, but they immediately had chemistry together with each person he interacted with, Flash, Cyborg, not too much was Aquaman, and of course he already had established himself with Wonder Woman, Batman, and BVS, but with like Flash and Cyborg, they immediately hit it off where this is like the Justice League interaction we would expect them to have, but it's instant. That moment where he goes up to Flash as Flash is saving or trying to save people, he just turns to him and goes, slow poke. <laughs> it was just perfect. It's like that's how Superman would be in this instant. And then the, his banter with uh, Cyborg when they're trying to uh, stop the mother boxes and Cyborg is asking him if like he can handle it. And he's all, yeah. But then at the end, <laughs> after the explosion just landed, he's like, I take it back. Like I wish I was still dead or something like that.
2: Yeah, that, that lead-in going into it, I thought was so cool of, you know, you you think we can do this. You're like going to have a split second to do. And he's like, well, I I just came back, you know, to life. I I don't want to die. And then that, yeah, that, that is my favorite Superman moment. And getting to hear Superman laugh on the ground with cyborg. I thought that was magical. Mm -hmm. That, that brought a huge smile to my face. And that's where I was like, that's the Superman we've been waiting for a Superman that is having fun being superman that is saving the day and bringing that hope into the uh, dc universe i thought was just a a great great scene uh, that played out that he was he instantly recognized how powerful cyborg is and it wasn't like okay kid get out of the way here's superman to save the day he knew that cyborg uh, was telling Superman the right things to do. He didn't question it. He just said, "Okay, what do I need to do?" and and did it. And then, like you said, when he's on the ground going, "I take it back. I wish I was <laughs> dead."
1: <laughs> yeah, that whole once Superman shows up and he's like did, doing all the stuff we just talked about. That's the moment where I said, "Like this is a DC fan's dreams come true." Seeing all this mm-hmm. stuff on the big screen for the first time with these iconic characters we loved for our whole lives—it's it, what made it special. And even that. After the fight was over, that end shot with all of them lined up, just seeing them all together in that pose, it was just so so cool. And as mm. even like we said, as much as a bat, a Batman vs Superman gets flack from certain people, and you know how it wasn't the team up slash you know first appearance between both characters we were expecting, I felt that Batman and Superman. This again in this short amount of time in Justice League, they had that classic Superman Batman back and forth banter where you know they have that mutual respect for each other but yet you know they take jabs at one another where their ideologies are so different they're of course not gonna get along all the time but they have that mutual respect and it was on display even for the briefest of moments that they were together in this film it was just so so good and cannot help yourself but get excited for the future of the dc movies moving forward because the way it ended too i loved it with You know Lois's monologue where she goes back into you know writing, you know a a story that she's used to. As she mentioned, you know she kind of taken a step back and is doing you know very basic stories, and but now she's going back into you know full blown journalism. Now that Clark is back, but I just love the monologue that she have where you know after the darkness, there's light, and I don't remember exactly what she says, but it just summed up the movie, and I think just the DC. Movie universe as a whole, perfectly in this one moment, how you know it brings out the hope and the light, and the heroes being a part of the world now. And just uh, as that monologue, as she's saying that, it's going over like these great scenes with each member of the Justice League, kind of doing their own thing now, but having the sense of you know, like a newfound sense of hope in you know just in their lives and what they're going to do with it now. With like you said at the earlier, Flash having the job, showing it to his dad. Aquaman off uh, doing his own thing, Batman looking out in the night sky, the bat signal and then Cyborg reuniting with his dad and this all that stuff like that ending cultivating into the classic Superman, you know, images we've seen in movies, comics, TV shows. Clark Kent, you know, about to look like he's about to go into the Daily Planet, but then he goes off in, you know, the classic Superman pose where he just rips up the shirt and you see the, the Superman logo and just flies up into the sky. I thought that was a great end to the film, and again, tying it back into the very beginning of it with uh, the phone footage of the kids talking to him. It was just a great way to end this movie, just get you so excited for the future of DC with these characters. It was just the perfect way to end it, I thought.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Just the the little vignettes, and something I thought was cool that Cyborg... Has changed his costume, his body. He's got the cyborg symbol on it now. Um, geeking out as a Bat fan, what I thought would have been such a cool thing to happen, and being a Robin fan, would have been if on the rooftop oh, yeah. with Batman when the Batwing was showing up, is if a Robin would have swung in beside mm. him. Like, you don't know how much time's going by that Batman had moved on. So, that was the one thing as a Robin fan when I saw the bat wing and, and knew where that sequence was. I'm like, Oh, I would just, I would have lost my mind if Robin would have swung into view, but it didn't. So maybe that'll, that'll happen later. But, uh, you know, Wonder Woman taking time to talk to yes, kids. That's right also which kind of paralleled to the beginning of the movie and uh the crooks are tied up with the lasso truth and they're just saying oh yeah bob bob did this robbery and oh yeah this happened over here and just kind of spilling it Damn. all for the cops i thought was pretty cool so it was just a, a very cool um sequence to end and then just the typical clark kent uh turning into superman which a friend of mine has been wanting to see the shirt rip in these movies for such a long time <laughs> So uh, he's like, I just want that. He's like, I want the movie to end with Clark Kent running towards screen and just turning into Superman. So that that was a, a great way to end the movie, and was completely satisfied. And all all I had to do was just sit there and go, okay, we get two end credit scenes, and we'll we'll see what they are. But wow, y- you can't top the way this movie ended. Nope.
1: And another thing too, which I thought was awesome, of uh, we got Bruce and Diana walking into you know the burnt down Wayne Manor, but. They're going to yes. bring it back up to pretty much make it the Hall of Justice. I mean, he's talking about result. We get a round table there, but and like with six seats. But I love Wonder Woman's line, just saying, "But with room for more, because we know there has to be more." <laughs> it was just great, and just a setup for where it's going to lead things to come. So, yeah, it was a great way to end the movie. And boy, at the same time, I'm a little depressed or nervous because not to end it on a down note, but it sucks that it's not. Doing the numbers that it needs to be doing you know to to warrant a sequel for this and that's making me a little nervous and upset in a way because things are laid out so perfectly now for this dc movie universe that it would be such a shame if it doesn't continue now so go see it everybody (laughs) don't let those negative (laughs) reviews out there stop you from at least checking it out because you know what i don't say this a lot but it, Cause sometimes it doesn't always hold true, but in the case of like Batman versus Superman and suicide squad, while I l- like and enjoy those movies, I understand where those can have, you know, the, some of the negative reviews they got with this one. Yeah. I don't, I'm sorry. It does not deserve some of the thrashing it's getting from critics out there. This is, this, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not, like I said, not going to be a, a superhero movie that has a, a deep story that, you know, other ones have but it's just a great superhero movie that unites these iconic characters in such a cool way where you're going to have an entertaining time at the movie theaters for even if you're not a hardcore dc fan You're i think you're just going to be entertained by this movie but for us comic book fans and dc fans it's the best of both worlds because we're seeing these iconic characters be brought to life on screen for the first time together in such a great way at, and we're being entertained with some you know great character moments great action sequences and just Tons of Easter eggs for us fans. So, yeah, I'm not understanding the hate this movie's getting right now from critics. So if that's turning anyone off, don't let it. Just go see it and support it because I think it really deserves to, you know, have some financial success like the other movies had and just hopefully continue forward with this, you know, where things left off in this movie because the future is really, really bright now.
2: Yeah, that's that's been the kind of the, the downer. Uh, to this time of going, I, I kind of feel it's like superhero movies of old, like the critics never really jumped on board. They were always very dismissive of the superhero genre for a long time. Even, even movies like star Wars and James Bond, the critics always just kind of were like, man, eh, it's just flash in the pan. It's, there's no real substance here. And like, even like you said with Batman versus Superman and suicide squad, as much as I like those, and love those movies i can i always could pull myself back and go okay i could understand why person x y and z it just it didn't connect with you this is one where i i I never like to think this way but i'm going there is hate here for the dc universe just simply because and a lot of people that I've just talked to online and other friends I've had through Facebook and different things, even while we're talking here, I've been like scrolling through my phone. I'm getting private messages like, have you seen Justice League? Oh, my gosh, this is great. And it's like in the upwards of 10 to 15 messages I've got just from recording this podcast <laughs> where I'm like, that's 15 separate people sending messages wanting to know what I thought about it. And this was the greatest DC movie they've seen in forever that I'm like – are the critics just looking like we know how the sausage was made and this thing was hobbled together so that way that means it's got to be a poor movie it's like you've got to take some of that critical crap off and just sit back and be like this is 75 years in the making of the closest thing we had was justice league unlimited cartoon series or the super friends typically it's been a Batman universe with a little bit of Superman sprinkled in and a green Lantern movie. That's been it for us DC fans. So anybody that's been a DC fan again, like you said, I don't say this very much, but I, I cannot for this movie, I cannot understand the hate that it is getting. And I, I feel like it's just simply for the hate. I'm like, if you don't, if this sounds bad, like if you don't like this movie, there's something wrong with you. I'm like, I just, I don't get how you can't find some enjoyment out of this and go. It's not perfect, but it's still a really,
1: really solid good film. Um, it's it, that just blows my mind. Yep. And again, yeah, like you said, it's not a movie without flaws. Of of course, and there could be some big ones in there that might turn some fans off and not enjoy it as much as we did, which is totally cool. But just the, you know, flat-out hate for it. It's almost like not giving it a chance, so to speak, type of thing, which was what I'm really baffled by. So uh, hopefully it has uh, some... Because right now the opening weekend numbers are looking like barely 100, maybe even a little below that, which is not what Warner Brothers wants for a big team-up movie like this with their big characters. So... Mm.
2: It's like nine seventy eight, nine eighty nine, something like that. It's just shy of a yeah. hundred.
1: So hopefully, you know, word of mouth was spread because, like you, I'm just seeing nothing but positive reactions. Is from like on social media and from the like, general audience and stuff. So hopefully, it will have some legs and last pretty long in the theater at least while it can before Star Wars comes out. Because once that comes, all bets right. are off as far as it continuing. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> right.
2: I'm hoping it has a good run right up until Star Wars. And if it takes a massive nosedive after Star Wars, I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I I totally understand and expect any movie uh, to be like that. Yeah,
1: so so we'll see what happens, but hoping for the best. But before we fully wrap up our discussion on Justice League, we got to talk about the two end credits scenes. And uh, sad to say, I was spoiled on one of them before I saw it, when I was trying hard, so hard to avoid it. But some people on Twitter just can't keep their mouth shut, and <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. awful. So uh, the first one, so I was going in knowing one and not knowing one of the other. So I was anxious to see what the other one I didn't know about was going to be, and that ended up being the first, you know, mid-credit scene, which was totally unexpected but pretty awesome still. <laughs> with <you> know, again, <laughs> yeah. the fl- classic Flash Superman race, and you know, we kind of got even a little hint of it when you know they were side by side like I was talking about trying to save the civilians so it's kind of nice to kind of have both characters realize that hey we should see who's the fastest and it's such an iconic DC moment that happens throughout the comics and you know the animated series episode of Superman about the race that they had so it was nice to get that little nod there and again the chemistry between the team and right here Superman and the Flash just works so so well it's exactly what you would expect for them to you know the way they talk to each other It just was so perfect. So it was just a nice, you know, nothing that's universe building, but just a nice extra moment between those two characters. It was a lot of fun that moment.
2: That was great. I I wasn't, I was kind of half sort of spoiled on uh, a moment, which was be the the latter part. But this came as a complete uh, surprise and shock. And for me, that for an after credit scene that I would hope DC does this and do it differently than what Marvel does, that it doesn't tie into anything. It doesn't tie in setting up the next movie. It's just a little vignette of, like, we're going to take this classic comic book scene, this comic book issue that you've read, and we're going to give you a minute of just this pure DC joy of these two characters. And in this case, it's Superman and the Flash racing. And I was after it was over, I instantly got off Uh, got out of the theater and got on my phone and had to show my wife the image of them running and she's like oh okay she's like I understand that she's like why are they racing and I was just like oh this is just this is DC lore at its absolute finest so this is what I would like to see DC do Uh, if they continue to keep doing end credit scenes because I think we get kind of used to that now just give us a nugget of something like this that you're not setting up the next movie it's just here's something really cool so I thought that was that was really cool. It brought a huge smile to my face. I totally
1: agree. But the final end credit scene, that was the big one. And unfortunately, yeah, this is what I was spoiled on. I was I would just spoiled on who was in it, knowing it was Lex and Deathstroke. I was like, Ugh, why? <laughs> just like a few more days. You could have just hold, keep it to yourselves. But anyway, even though I knew it going in, man, it was still a really, really cool sequence. And just... Deathstroke looked awesome, This flat-out awesome. <laughs> oh, costume, yeah. So I always have trouble pronouncing his last name, but Joe Mag- Magniello, I think. Ma- Mag- Maginello? Mag- yeah. yeah, so sorry, Joe, if you're listening. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he looked great just as like Slade Wilson when he took his helmet off the patch, the full-on gray hair, which was kind of cool to see because as much as I love Manu Bennett's portrayal as Deathstroke on Arrow, which is, oh. you know, right now, the you know definitive arrow portray- or deathstroke portrayal right now we'll see what this movie version does but he looked just straight out of the comic book here joe Maggiello did oh full yeah on gray hair the patch it was perfect so seeing i had no idea i thought like
2: once he got on the boat i thought all right cool you know there was no part of me that thought oh he's going to take off his helmet and talk yeah. to lex but when he did i was like oh my gosh yep. yeah
1: so good and then you know, Lex just telling that's that's what I liked about the scene, which made it really cool, even though I didn't, even though I knew he was going to be in it. The context of why they were talking was amazing. Lex's line is about how, you know, like the god has risen back up and like they're forming their own group. Well, maybe we should form a league of our own. It's like, oh boy, they're going to go there. (laughs) They're going to go, you know, Injustice League, Secret Society, whatever they call themselves, but a group of iconic dc villains fighting the iconic dc car- heroes of the justice league. Oh man. <laughs> just the thought of that is just gives me goosebumps with excitement because it serves two things. One, it just it's going to be awesome if that they go that story route for a sequel. It seems like a natural progression that they could go to. But at, the other thing that makes it so cool is that we haven't seen that before in a superhero movie. Like we haven't no. seen full-on like, a team of heroes versus a team of villains. Like, again, going back to an Avengers comparison, they haven't had that yet where they're finding a group of supervillains. Just one main villain with, you know, a legion of, like, robots or aliens that just are just cannon fodder for the heroes to fight, which this was for in this first Justice League movie. But the idea of heroes versus villains, like, oh, man, just seeing, like, the idea of Superman fighting Lex in his, you know, exosuit, Green Lantern fighting Sinestro Corps if they go that, or Sinestro if they go that route. Wonder Woman fighting Cheetah, Aquaman fighting Black Manta, Flash versus Reverse Flash, or other maybe Grodd if they go that way. Just uh, so DC has such a risk rich history of villains they can use from to go with their heroes, and it's just going to be mind blowing to see that on screen if they go that route. And again, which makes me a little, you know nervous about the possibility of not getting a sequel of this movie doesn't do good because i want that to happen so bad now because the potential of some truly amazing great comic book movie uh moments or just a a new comic book movie as a whole of of what justice league 2 can possibly be it has the potential to be something really special so man did it do its job of getting me super super excited for you know a potential future justice league movie it was so cool
2: Oh, yeah. Now, I was spoiled in the fact that uh, a YouTuber had posted a. You get, you get a little thumbnail of what their video yeah. is, yeah. and in the corner was a picture of Lex Luthor uh, from a comic book. I don't know which one it was. And it said, uh, deleted scenes, or deleted scenes, the uh, end credit scenes explained. And this was two days before the film opened. And I'm like, why? Why are you posting this here right now before the general public gets a chance to see it on Thursday night for the first time? So I was like, well, great. It's the Lex Luthor scene that we were told was Jesse Eisenberg was cut out of the role along with Iris West. So I was like, all right, well, at least we get to see uh, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor and what the context of that scene was. And knowing that there were two scenes – or two end credit scenes. What I thought was, oh, they've been talking and announcing of a Deathstroke movie. This would be a great time to see that footage that Ben Affleck mm-hmm. had put up of of Deathstroke. So I thought, okay, that's probably our two scenes. We'll get the context of the Deathstroke scene, and then it'll be a Lex Luthor scene. So once the next scene showed up, I thought, oh, this has got to be Lex. And seeing, you know, him in the the cell, turn on like, well, oh, that's not Lex. And then seeing the bow, I started going, am I seeing, like, pigtails? And you know my wife, I'm like, holy crap, it's (laughs) Deathstroke. He's in the same scene. So I was, at least I had that, you know, surprise there that those two characters were on the same scene together. I'm like, of course you would use Deathstroke to get uh, Lex out of prison. So I, I was on a complete high, even higher than I was at the end of the film going oh my gosh this would be great for justice league 2 you do uh the justice league versus the injustice league and then for justice league 3 you say hey remember mm-hmm. dark side boom now you have everybody fighting dark side so again like we've been saying i hope i hope this movie does well or warner brothers listens enough to go the critical reaction was not what we wanted but the fans have been enamoring for this we're going to continue doing it for the fans so i hope
1: man, i'm hoping beyond hope that we we get more totally yeah It'd just be such a shame if this is it and all this cool potential stuff that they teased and planted the seeds for not only this and credit scene but just the movie itself would just be such a shame so you're right here's hoping that you know this isn't the end of it because so much cool stuff could potentially be down the horizon and i just hope we get to see it so here's hoping but I guess before we wrap it up, I uh, just want to read off a few uh, responses from our uh, Twitter account about those who saw Justice League, put the word out to let us know what some of our listeners think about it. So wanted to share those. Uh, first off, we got a reply from Virginia Blues at VA underscore blues says, liked it. Felt like an episode of Justice League animated series in a lot of ways. And then Jim mm-hmm. Bob Squarepants, uh, he says, it was good. I liked it. And it was in- and was entertained throughout. And then Stephen Martin Jr. uh, says, loved it. Hate the negativity surrounding it. Not a single critic has any merit behind their negativity. So I'm, again, just glad to see that on social media, whether it's, you know, the responses we got here from the Batfans account and just my personal Twitter account, just seeing the fan responses have been really, really good. So which is, again, surprisingly that the numbers are tracking so low for this movie. yet. So I really hope the positive word of mouth Get spread out because I'm really glad to hear that it, the people I've seen are, are really, really enjoying it. It's going from like really liking it to love it, and of course, there's going to be some who don't and who don't like it or hate it. That's fine, but the positivity I'm seeing for it totally outweighs the negativity I'm seeing it for it amongst just uh, people on social media, which is really cool to see. So yeah, just goes into yeah. hopefully the word of mouth spreads for it. So uh thank you guys for responding to the tweet. Always love hearing your responses and what you think about whenever we get these big DC movies or events that happen. So uh, keep them coming. If after you hear this episode and want to share more thoughts about the movie, either uh, tweet them over to us at our Twitter account at batfanspodcast or as you can always email us at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com to share your thoughts. So hopefully we'll hear from you. But with that, I guess we'll just go ahead and kind of summarize our final thoughts on the movie and I guess give it a score. And as always, we have to have a rating scale uh, a unique one. So I'm gonna think this gonna make the scale uh time or smiles we've had on our face while watching Justice League. So uh, Rob, I'll go to start with you. Final thoughts and what score would you give it out of five? Oh wow. Uh
2: the final thoughts of this, this is this is everything I kinda hope for. Um as much as you know you could kind of hope for a movie seeing all your characters together i I don't know if i could have sat and told you what story i exactly wanted to see but i wanted to see all of my favorite dc heroes just interact with one another come in save the day and leave the theater smiling and be satisfied that i got to see uh, a great movie i had a good time with it and the audience was was responding very well That. You know, I wasn't the only one laughing, and I didn't hear any boos and snickers, and it was just a really a, a, an enjoyable experience, and one that I wished I got to have with Batman versus Superman, with all the negativity that came out with that. But this one was just was very positive, just from the fans and people saying, "You don't listen to the critics, just go and enjoy it." And I I couldn't be happier with what, with what we got and the a uh, list of DC characters were all there you know save for you know a, a certain green one but uh, i'm hoping that this just continues on that we'll get a a completed justice league and hearing lines of like, you know, with room for more that Wayne Manor is going to be turned into the new just or the uh, hall of justice just makes me happy. And the possibilities and dreaming that could come out of this. So I was completely happy with this movie and I, uh, my smile just keeps getting more and more as we're, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about this, about this movie. So, uh, five smiles, uh, for this, uh, film. Um, I know some people go 5 you must think it's uh, perfect. Yeah, there were, there were little hiccups here and there, but the feelings that I have towards this film and and what we had outweigh any of the little you know, or some of the issues that I had with some c g and just little things here or there but i I really really enjoy this, and uh, I was thinking about you know how I would you know rank these films i I want to see it again, but this is in the top three is it like you know Wonder Woman justice league may of steel b v s like where like it's it's right in there it's it's probably resting right now at the top two, and I really want to kick it into the top one but I, I want a few more viewings uh, under my belt but um, it, it's fives for me it's just the joy factor coming out of the theater is what makes this so solid and strong for me
1: yeah I'm pretty much going to be in agreement with you there This the feeling that I had watching it and how it continued after the movie was over it was just the buzz I had again it is so so high and exactly what I was hoping for with a Justice League movie and even though like you said it um, wasn't quite the perfect Justice League movie, not even from a filmmaking standpoint, but just even when you think about a Justice League movie, certain things that would have like a full roster of team members, like Superman being a big like fixture of the Justice League movie. Because this is, because again, when you think of a Justice League movie, you think Superman would be a big part, which he was in this, but you know, just mainly at the end. While I thought it worked, is it's still something where i think a perfect justice league movie would have you know the full team with superman there from the get-go with certain other characters like Green lantern so that's not quite where it's not at the perfect justice league movie level yet but it's pretty darn close it was just a fun ride from start to uh, to end and then it was just like dc heaven in a lot of ways from the stuff we mentioned Uh, some of the foundations they laid for future movies and stories the establishing the history of the DC universe. The character dynamics were just perfect. The performances by all the actors in those uh, hero roles were just spot on. Just so good. The chemistry between all of them was great. And the acting sequences were a lot of fun. Great display of the powers, great character moments in them. So, so good. And we didn't even talk about this too much, so I'm going to bring it up here. But um, while I think overall the music for Justice League was kind of forgettable, forgettable, but... Boy, when those classic themes kicked in for Batman and Superman, again, the smiles (laughs) I had on my face was so good. Hearing the Batman 89 theme again, it was awesome. And I knew it was coming. I knew the clip was out there. I stayed away from the clip because I wanted to have that experience of sitting in the theater, seeing an awesome shot of Batman with the iconic, definitive Batman theme playing again, I thought was great. And it was subtle, too. It wasn't like in your face. Hey, you remember the Batman 89 theme? You remember the Superman theme? Here it is. It was just mixed in with the rest of the score perfect where if you if you're a fan of that those themes you'll pick up on it right away but it's not something it is something too where you can maybe miss if you're not really listening to it carefully but so i was integrated i thought very nicely into the movie but at the same time it was great to hear those iconic themes again for those characters i don't know if you felt the same way about that but i thought those moments were
2: perfect oh yeah and and I did spoil myself on this. I I had to hear what his version of it. So I did I did see the rooftop scene of him coming down. But just hearing the swell and hearing the march of the Batmobile mm-hmm. uh, race, I thought, oh man, that's just great. Um, I I've been I had been listening to the theme. I had downloaded uh, the soundtrack before the movie came out because I always like to do that. Kind of want to get familiar with the music that I'm listening to uh, before I come in to kind of just set the tone. Um, I thought you did really well. I think I was expecting something grander, yeah. but I talked about the Wonder Woman theme of like, I was really wanting to hear the actual Hans Zimmer version of the Wonder Woman thing, the Hans Zimmer Man of Steel theme. And you got to hear those, but I started thinking about it in the way of like, those were the solo themes of those characters. And now this, these are those characters working together as a cohesive group. So Maybe Danny Elfman thought, I want to do them as a unified theme so they don't sound – jarring is the wrong word, so all the music sounds uniform, uniformity Mm. together. So the Wonder Woman theme didn't have the brash violin. It was done with more flutes and uh, other orchestral instruments that made it work because this is the Justice League version of those themes. So once I kind of had put it that way, having a week to listen to the soundtrack – Listening to the movie, I was like, okay, it works. But I could also see sometimes that those – the parts of the soundtrack were kind of forgettable too. Like the the Man of Steel theme and even just the uh, Beautiful Lie theme just had so much emotion in Batman versus Superman. Um, I love that soundtrack to BVS. It's one of my all-time favorites next to the 89 theme. And this one was – a good soundtrack, but I could see myself not remembering much of it. So,
1: yeah, I was like I said, it wasn't very memorable, besides you know, the iconic themes that I remember hearing for yeah. years and years now. So, I, I overall, I'm glad he stuck them in there. I know some people weren't happy with it, were might not fit, and then you know, totally different universes for those themes, but it was, it was just something fun to experience with the movie, too. So, I'm glad he put it in there. It was nice to hear it again. So, yeah, yeah. so f- for my score. I really loved it. I'm going to go four and a half smiles I had while watching Justice League out of five. Like I said, not quite the perfect Justice League movie that I've been dying to see, but pretty darn close. And just this great feeling after the theater. Even it was just nice to see, too, where the people in the audience in the theater I saw, it. I think for the most part, I think everyone enjoyed it. They A lot of people laughing and cheering when Superman came back. And I like, too, at the end of the movie when it was all over, uh, the people in front of me, it was a family, like a mother or father with two daughters and a, and a son, right afterwards, like trying to decide who they were going to be, like, oh, I want, I'm want i going to be Wonder Woman, but uh, I'm going to be Supergirl and the kids, I'm, I'm going to be Cyborg. Just that It took me back to when I was a kid seeing these movies because <laughs> that's the first thing you, you think of after you see a movie you really like and are excited about. You want to be those characters and play with like your brothers and sisters or your friends and be those characters again. So it was just nice to see that, the Justice League movie, it's having that effect on this generation of kids too. So this that's why these heroes and characters are timeless. They just inspire that amongst, for those, it inspired your imagination for those who just like these type of stories. And it's just great to see that continuing. So that was just another cool feeling to get after the movie was over. Kind of setting Setting up what it attended to inspiring that you know message of hope to to like a new generation there it was really really cool so just a great experience overall seeing the movie and I can't wait to see it again which I'm probably gonna do today so <laughs> especially you're right talking about it now it just makes me more excited and anxious to see it again so yeah looking forward to doing that. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, to listening to our Justice League review special. I mean, it was a long time coming, and it's, we're glad to finally say that we have a Justice League movie and that it was really, really good and hope that everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. So, Rob, thanks again for joining me on this episode. It was great geeking out with you on it because I had a feeling both of us would have you know similar reactions to it, knowing how excited we were for, for this movie and talking about it for years. So, it was great to, you know, get into all the nitty gritty of it and just have a total geek out session for two hours. So thanks so much for joining me.
2: Uh, it was a blast being on here. It, uh, thanks for having me back on. It's always fun to kind of come back home, as they say. And it, this this was one I podcast I was very much looking forward to to being on. And uh, um, it just, like I said, we've been waiting so long for this. So it was nice to know that I had somebody else I could just talk to and geek out with about it for a, a couple hours. So thanks for having me on. It totally, really means yeah. a lot. So
1: before I give all our contact information out, uh, do you want to go ahead and give yours out and for your podcast?
2: Yeah, uh, you can. Uh, find me uh, over at uh, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. We're just finishing up Prodigal or dick grayson was batman for the first time uh you can find us on twitter at eltd podcast we've got facebook everyone loves the drake and we're on wednesdays uh over on uh, tbu we usually do uh two a month so that's where you can kind of find us and if you want to hit me up on uh twitter when i'm not talking about robin and batman you can find me at drummer rob 10 on twitter Uh,
1: to be fair when you're talking to me on twitter with your normal account, we're still talking about Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, we, we we still are. So, <laughs> yeah, it's still Batman and Robin, no matter what what account
2: I'm on. <laughs> An occasional uh, Pearl Drums reference uh, of a new piece of hardware that comes out. Maybe you'll see that, but generally, it's it's still Batman and Robin, <laughs> which is always
1: awesome. So. Yep, that's right. And as always, you can find us, uh, of course, at our host site, thebatmanuniverse.net, and you can find us on social media at Twitter at batfanspodcast. And if you want to send us any emails on your thoughts, questions regarding Justice League or anything Batman DC related, related, go ahead and send that over to batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So with that, that's going to wrap up our Justice League review episode. Thank you for everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.